Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't like blood and guts, but I love them when they're lengthily ephemeral i am linking up with the recorder right now paul and i are sitting across from each other just scannering each other yeah fully scannering our our jowls are rippling and veins are popping (laughs) oh my gosh the the uh, prosthetic air bladder in my cheek (laughs) is going up and down and now you've got that installed at all times just in case someone brings up scanners and you can just pop that up yeah it's like a a dog wagging its tail Uh, I use it to show people that I'm excited to <laughs> see them and particularly just when they discuss scanners with me. Well, he's in full effect, so you must be excited, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, let me just, you know, as long as we're talking about uh, those uh, those uh, scanning each other climax prosthetics, when that little bubble like ripples across oh. uh, Michael Ironside's face, holy moly, I, this is a cliche that people use all the time. But worth the price of admission alone? Is that what's billed in the opening titles as a micro effect? I didn't. I didn't. The credits must have been micro. I didn't see that. Paul, they were normal size. I don't know how you missed it. But there was like effects credit and then a, a person who does micro effects. And oh I'm gosh. wondering if that's what that is. And, and iron sides, veiny sides now. He's, yeah, more like veiny sides now. Look, that's just a prelude. This is with Gorley and Rust. I'm Matt Gorley. Oh, and I'm Paul Rust. And man, you are joining us in the last episode of our one-off season I know, and it's been a special, special season. It really has. It's been a fun one. And uh, as always, when I got here to record in your backyard, you had greeted me not just with a glass of water or a stein of water, but also (laughs) a cup of the hottest brown. Uh, Let me just say to the listeners... Gorley is such a sweetheart. He's always here to 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 give me refreshments and be accommodating. <laughs> Thank you for hosting uh, uh, so much, especially post-vax. Oh, 
being Thank out here. Thank you for coming over. You make yeah. the journey. It's the least I can do to make your stay here as hospitable as possible. He does stay the night each time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have a little like a cubby hole up yeah. in your ceiling. <laughs> uh, and I just crawl up there at the end of the night, brood style. <laughs> <laughs> I put I on my little snowsuit. You're just up in the corner of the ceiling, but you're not a mean brood. You're just up there, kind of grinning. Yeah, I'm a uh, yeah, I'm a giggling brood. <laughs> um, and but well, the drive over here though, that's a its own. Uh, in case people didn't know, this is a cozy cast. We keep it cozy. Mm-hmm. The drive here is so pleasant, so cozy. Do you listen to music on the way over or podcast? Or um, just jow- chilling. Usually. I listen to music, which isn't always the case, Gorley. I wonder why I listen to music on the way here. I think maybe because I, I know it's going to get, we're going to get jabby. Yeah, we're going to cover podcasting enough here. Yeah, we're going to jab yeah. a lot. Yeah. Gab a lot. Jab? Jab. Yeah. yeah, jibber jab. Jab, jibber jab and gabber web. <laughs> we we do mm, 60% jibber jab, 40% jabber web. <laughs> what was, uh, in fact, what was I just listening to on the way over here? Um, well, Got to admit it, not going to be cool. Just going to fess up. Blues Traveler's Hook. Oh, yes. Oh, sing it, brother. I uh, mean, I meant like yeah. you be you, but if you do want to sing it, I'll sing along. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a beautiful song, huh? <laughs> also, I just watched um, a couple nights ago with all the Landis talk from last week. I watched Blues Brothers 2000, which wow. I've never watched. How was that? Seen. It ain't good. <laughs> It's no good. <laughs> kind of like the year 2000. <laughs> yes. I don't know. What, what do I got? No, that was with our last year in glory. That's right. Before it happened. Before the next 20 years. Yeah. Before uh, the movie Red Eye came out. No, I don't know. What? <laughs> Look. Red Eye's great. If I we bet ever do it a is. Craven season. Is that Wes Craven? Yeah, I think it's uh, maybe his pen ultimate. Before Scream 4. I actually did see some of it, Perhaps and I not. do remember liking it. Yeah, and uh, uh, Killian Murphy? Yeah. He's really good. Yeah. And I love, gosh, I got to say, I think I love airplane thriller Me movies. too. Is that Rachel McAdams? Yes. I love her, too. Yeah. And just also that kind of like, um, starts bending the rules, I think, by the end, but- those kind of like all in one place yeah. compressed time frame movies are really fun, especially for thrillers. Yeah, I mean, if you're if we're like say eight years into this podcast <laughs> and we haven't done an airplane season of just that snakes on a plane flight plan passenger something or the other. airport movies. Yes, um, Air Force One, which I've never Air Force One. Oh, holy moly! Yeah, um, and then uh, airplane for good measure. Yeah, then you end with airplane. That's yeah. like a nice little dessert. Yeah, um, I've never seen. Ah, or in airport movie. I haven't either. Yeah. Disaster movies, I think, really, the Poseidon Adventures really only... Mm. Oh, and Earthquake. Yeah. Are the two 70s disaster movies that I've, I've seen. I've never seen Earthquake. I've seen what I used to think was called P- Poseidon Adventure. What? I, that's, oh, Poseidon. That's how I thought it was pronounced. <laughs> it should be. Yeah. <laughs> As we say here many times, uh, language is fluid. That's right. You can... I mean, that's right, Jakarta. <laughs> Did you see the sequel of uh, Posey? What? Poseidon? Poseidon? The Poseidon Adventure? Yeah. The, or just the, Poseidon. The, re- the remake Poseidon. I never saw the new Poseidon, but I saw the original Poseidon. And and speaking of that, I also thought the movie with Bruce Willis, Ben Affleck by Michael Bay was Armageddon. 
Not by by the time that movie came out, I understood. But when I was a kid, I thought Armageddon was Armageddon. So you could theoretically do a season where we watch Armageddon and Poisydon. And then we'll follow it up with uh, Jurassic Park and his Chaos theory. (laughs) Is that what you thought? Yeah, when I read Jurassic Park, (laughs) even though I saw the movie. And I should have brought this up when we were talking about Chachos. Remember the kid who got teased at the other school in my town because he read out loud chaos not just as chaos but chachos chachos so i (laughs) i i saw jurassic park in theaters i was like i'm gonna read that book heard the saw jurassic park i think three times in theaters heard him say chaos theory all through it then read the book chaos theory chaos theory (laughs) chaos theory that makes me uh uh just like illuminously happy. Well, our our, our metagod and uh, 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 well, that's like that. That's a like, sounds like the Greek tragedy, Agamemnon. Oh, Agamemnon. 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 See, I haven't been pronouncing that correct. But what was the word you're saying before that? I was trying to say your pronunciation of oh, Armageddon. 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 Yeah, yeah. And I think I was somehow confusing it with homogenized. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing most of the time. Look, listen. Don't look. Look at what you're looking at, but listen to this. This is with Gorley and Rust. As Paul mentioned, the cozy cast, where we go on at length, uh, usually to do with horror movies. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is the final episode of the season. We're going to cover Scanners. But listen to this. We have some big news. (gasps) Big news. That's five eyes in that big right there. Yeah, this is big season six news. Before we even get to that, we're going to tell you that you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash with and Rust. It's in the show notes. And you might even want to do that because when we take our little mini season breaks, we're going to fill it with, you know, a special episode or two. Plus you get mailbags and commentary, film feature length commentary episodes. But yes. then this time we're also dropping all 49 films we've covered thus far seated in like an, in a, like an NBA or what a NCAA tournament bracket to find the coziest movie of the 49 films so far. Yes. And that's going to be an episode that drops only on Patreon. Oh my gosh. A, a cozy bracket? A cozy bracket. What, what's the coziest movie of them all? And it's not, what's the best? No. But in a way, it kind of is. What ends up, yeah. ends up being the coziest movie is the yeah. best movie. Yeah. And then, Paul, this Ooh. was Paul's brilliant idea. No, 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 no. We built it together. That's not, I mean... You suggested it, and I merely did the easy part of going, no-brainer, yes. Well, it's been on the table, though. Much like... Oh, Oh, someone's working on a tool table. I don't know if you can hear that. Thank you for covering for me. That's just flatulence in my head. (laughs) Oh, I didn't hear that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, yes. But I don't think we've teased this idea. Right. We've talked maybe about doing these movies. People must be salivating right now. What's it going to be? And because also we did a poll on the Patreon for because every third commentary, the the trustees who are the Patreon subscribers get to pick the commentary. Yes. They chose a real, it'll be renounced soon. But (laughs) I, speaking of this new season coming up, I took this suggestion for commentary off the table, knowing we might cover it for this Ooh. season. And I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm glad God. you did too. Yeah. Uh, now, this person, this monster, <laughs> this killer we're about to talk about, he he wouldn't want anything to be taken out. <laughs> <laughs> He'd want as much in so he could gobble it up. Are you saying he's ravenous? 
<laughs> yes. He likes to eat things with a part of his body. Yes, a particular part of his body. Whoa, would that particular part of his body um, be broken by a certain type of vending machine hard candy? <laughs> Perhaps, yes. If you were trapped in a car in a horrible accident and they had to get you out of that mangled steel, they might use this form of life. Perhaps. We're talking, of course, about Candyman. No, just <laughs> kidding. We're talking, of course, about the animated series Jabberjaw. <laughs> no, we're talking about we're going to do the Jaws movies. <sighs> Plus, and this is where Gorley's mastermind came in. We're going to throw some shark movies in there, too. Yeah. A nice summer season of the sharks. That's right. So here's what's going to happen. This this episode is coming mm-hmm. out on the 11th of June if you're a patron subscriber. The next yep. week if you're a free subscriber. Mm-hmm. Then we're like I said, we're going to drop that cozy tournament, maybe a couple other extra things. Oh, definitely, yeah. you know, some mailbag and commentary. And then we're going yeah. to be back on July 16th for the Patreon subscribers. A week later for the free. And this is the way the season's going to go down. Week one, Jaws. 1976 oh boy. Steven Spielberg classic. Don't be afraid to go back in the water unless you would like to die. <laughs> Jaws 2, a favorite of mine for some reason. Yeah, hey, you know, we uh, 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 love our, our, our teen slashers. Yeah. This came out the same year as Halloween and as a bunch of 70s teenagers getting ter- basically Halloween. Yeah, you're right. Never even think about that. It really is. You take the Jaws formula and the 70s teeny slashers, yeah. move them together. Oh, I don't know man. how it worked out that um, uh, uh, these two, they came out the same year. Halloween and Jaws 2. Zeitgeist. What was in the water? Uh, <laughs> a chum. The, the brilliant <laughs> like so movie ingredient chum. chum. Then Jaws 3 in three dimensions. Ooh. Now, is there any way that we can, um, I wonder if there's an addition where you can watch it actual 3D. Oh, good question. Because um, then one of us can do that. Mm. Or we watch each version, the true 3D and the 2D. Yeah. Just so we can have a, I think it's very important. Well, we could just do the auto and do a one dimension audio. Yes. Let's just do that. Okay. <laughs> then Jaws 4, this time it's personal. I've never seen this movie with Michael Caine. Yeah, Jaws this time. Jaws 4, this time it's personal. That was the tagline for the poster. Oh, yeah. That's no. crazy. Uh, that they. They embrace the absurdity of a of a shark having feelings for vengeance. That's <laughs> uh, really great. I have Jaws Ford, the revenge. Yeah, and it's uh, it's Jaws revenge. It's it ain't Mrs. Brody's revenge. No way. Well, maybe a little bit. Mm. She gets um uh yeah um 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 I, which we've never seen. I we were discussed. We've never seen Jaws four from beginning to end so that'll be thrilled about that yeah then we're gonna do three more episodes on top of Mm -hmm. that here's the way it's gonna go down the next or it doesn't have to be in this order but deep blue sea Uh oh Uh oh the thomas jane uh samuel l jackson classic rennie harlan rennie harlan that's right will this be our second rennie at least (laughs) is it just second rennie (laughs) well we did um Freddy Four. Yeah. And that was our first Rennie. Yeah. The fourth Freddy was our first Rennie. Y- yeah. You got to admit. And then. <laughs> and then the first Deep is our second yes. Rennie. 
And I think we did do, we covered Cliffhanger and Die Hard 2 at some point. And Cutthroat Island, did he do that? Yes. Okay. But you've never seen Deep Blue Sea. No, I'm very excited. I saw it in the theater. Oh my Lord. Yeah. So the scene, we won't have to spoil right now, yeah. but do you remember seeing sure the do. scene in the yeah. theater? And the, th- the theater went crazy. It was like a Friday night at Universal City Walk. <sighs> it was perfect. Lucky. Yeah. You are so lucky. I guess I, had, I leave a blessed life. And was that summer of 99? That was a glorious yeah. summer, glorious year I of guess movies. Phantom Menace year. Yeah. Did you see it in the same theater? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I think I did. Were the seats still wet from the pod <laughs> race? <laughs> Just soaked in urine of people. I hope he makes the eighth lap. <laughs> oh my God. The minute Sebulba's pod race collapsed is when the waft of the collective urine hit. <laughs> Purdue. <laughs> Then we're going to do Open Water, which neither of us have seen. Ooh, yeah, and I, I hear it's quite good. I do too. And yeah. I'll admit, I think part of me hasn't watched it because I've been a little bit of a scaredy cat. I think so too. Amanda's been trying to get me to watch it, and I've been a little bit like, oh, it's kind of serious, isn't it? Isn't it so <laughs> funny? We each have wives who should be doing this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And have to like push us to watch scary movies. We're hosting a horror podcast. I know. And our wives would be like, Do you want to watch a horror movie? We're like, no, 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 no. Imposter syndrome to the max. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Reminds me, we need to um cover the imposters, the Stanley Tucci <laughs> Oliver Platt film. Is that Rennie Harlan? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then the final movie, and this is very exciting, is uh-huh. going to be trusty chosen. <laughs> And what we're going to do is a bit of a tourney bracket for that. Mm. So we're going to face 47 meters against the shallows. Then we're going to face the Meg versus the Reef. That's good. And those two winners in these polls, these listeners selected polls, will head off against each other and they will choose the eighth or sorry, the seventh film from this series. Yeah. Because there are seven fins on a shark. That's why we did that. Are there? No. <laughs> Maybe. I mean. Seven individual fins running up and down the spine of the shark. I'm sure that. Yeah, a saw shark. A saw yeah. tooth. Speaking of saw, again, there's that saw. I don't know if you can hear that as a listener. but Well, we a... thought last week that Tim Allen maybe moved here. It's Jigsaw. You it live is next j- door yeah, to Jigsaw. J- no fucking shit. Jigsaw lives next door. Now, is this, this kind of a chicken or egg thing? Yeah. Well, maybe not. So I, I think it's a, I have my feelings. I think he knows you're doing a horror podcast. Jigsaw, move next door. I kind of be like, what about me? Yeah, because yeah. he is back there going like, God, I remember the time on the set of Saw. Wow. Now I've never told this story to anybody. But ah, never mind. Never mind. I'm just talking to myself. I mean, who, who could I tell it to? I don't know what Jigsaw sounds like. Oh, does he have a like a modulated voice? I forget. Oh, gosh. I, you know, I've only seen the one saw. Oh, we just lost our saw demo in the audience. Just a bunch of people right now. We're like, he's only seen one saw. I've only seen one saw, too. And one saw, too. One saw, too. Skipped to my loo. <laughs> Which saw did you see? The, the, first, see, the first saw I saw. I see saw, two. One, I see two saw, saw one, but never spiral book of saw. I've only seen the book of the movie spiral, which I read because the books are always better. What? No. <laughs> which saw have you seen? I've seen saw one. I've seen saw one as two. You've seen I've seen Saw 1 as well. 
Okay. I see saw two. Third base. <laughs> Were you doing uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Light? <laughs> no, oh, he's doing... coming on here too fast. He's out. No, he's not out. He's safe. He's safe. I was doing two out of three ain't bad, which I You're lost just... my virginity to. Did you really? Yeah, isn't that sad? Not to this. I didn't lose my virginity to the song. The song did not take my virginity, <laughs> but it was playing. The song deflowered you. Isn't that weird? It kind of like Freddy Krueger came alive out of the tape cassette because my big fear was losing my virginity and I fell asleep and the cassette of Meatloaf's Two Out of Three Ain't Bad. This is not first run Two Out of Three Ain't Bad, by the way. Oh yeah, you've told me about this before. The tape kind of ran out of the cassette and formed arms and hands and started like caressing you. Yeah, and altogether not a horrible experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the situation, Gorley? You guys had a radio going? You had a tape player? Yeah, let's just leave it at no, that. No, but I'm okay. <laughs> we'll save that for uh, with Gorley and Rust after hours. <laughs> Where you and me talk about... With Gorley and Lust. Um, well, just so you know, I did not have any music played when I lost Decidedly, because you did yours during church? <laughs> What now? Why was that on purpose, or were you just in a like? Was it during the quiet place or something? <laughs> you couldn't have any noise. I lost my virginity to the quiet place too uh, <laughs> last week, and so we had to be really quiet. No, you uh, just think it worked out that way. It was it was a conscious choice. Gotcha. But now, in retrospect, maybe some music would have been nice. I I, I wish I had been playing Meatloaf, I not because it was it. bad. Or I was unfortunate. Yeah. I just mean, uh, music always makes things awesome. Yeah. But what a okay. sentiment. Two out of three ain't it. bad. Like, you were okay. Uh, poorly. Oh, you mean if that was like the, the commentary? The commentary. Yeah. What if it was about your balls versus your penis? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Listen, Matt, I won't say which. But one of them ain't great. It could be a ball and a penis. It's just the second ball yeah. was the one she didn't like. Yeah. But the song is is uh is I want you, I need you, but there ain't no way I'm ever gonna love you. Now don't be sad. Two out of three ain't bad. It's like I guess that, that was kind of appropriate of now looking back. But I haven't heard that song since, and and not for. I, it's not like I'm afraid to go back to it. It just never crossed my path. I love again. "Bad Out of Hell." Yeah, I listen to it a lot. And Jim Steinman, who recently passed away, who's like the main songwriter, he writes these songs that are just like mm. the best. If people want to check out Jim Steinman, just like look at what he did, like "Total Eclipse of the Heart." Oh, that makes sense. Those are s just those big epic anthemic. Wow. Songs. Why do when you hear "Total Eclipse of the Heart," you go that that should be a meatloaf yeah, song? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Wow. That sounds like a meatloaf. Yeah. Yeah. Run. Wow. <laughs> You know what? Fuck you, scanners. We'll get to you when we feel like it. <laughs> God, if Meatloaf had done the soundtrack for scanners, oh. just think of the places it would have gone. Yeah. Speaking of Meatloaf, you know, in the past couple episodes, you and I have talked about how some strange coincidental things have come up on YouTube. And I, so mm -hmm. like the algorithm is like, basically my YouTube algorithm is like, we get it, Matt. You like Blondie. But I, I saw something from something. The comic I, strip, not the band. <laughs> Dagwood again. 
I don't know what this movie was, and you don't even need to send it to me because I'll look it up. I just haven't. But there's a movie with Blondie and Meatloaf, and uh, she's singing Ring of Fire, and then it cuts to him kind of doing some bits, and he's dressed like a cowboy. What? And it's called like... Well, speaking of Cronenberg, she's in Videodrome. What? Yeah. I'm pretty sure she's in Videodrome. Oh, my God. Uh, so that's got to, you got to put that on the next one off the to watch. What is, is that the- a horror movie? Cause I realized scanners isn't entirely a horror movie, but this is why we changed this, the show to with Gorley and Russ. Yes. Cause we could occasionally yeah. put in your returns of the Jedi, your mistress, mom, <laughs> your scanners is, you know? yeah. And scanners, I would say has scenes of horror. Yeah. yeah. But it were, I think it fits. Yeah. Um, so, uh, should we just start talking? It seems top thoughts of scanners seems soon to get into it, but okay. Let's... I mean, I've already scanned you, so I know your thoughts. Yeah, that's but we true. Can, we can I know. talk about it. We should tell the listeners our thoughts because we now both know each other's full thoughts on this movie. We've downloaded and uploaded each other's thoughts. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Overall, I really liked it. I wouldn't say it was like a mind blowing fave, yeah. but. Uh, it's pretty cool. I Mind like, blowing face. Oh gosh, truer words. <laughs> uh, and oh my gosh, I. I mean, it's one of the first scenes, so we'll get to it soon. Yeah, I just wanted to stay in that Canadian mall. Oh, glass and mirrors and red uh, escalators oh. had to have been chosen for that red because I noticed how much red especially like walls and carpets mm. appear in this, even in a way more than the brood. But this really is like a spiritual partner to the brood. De- I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, both in terms of it's, yeah, it's themes, but also just like aesthetically. I mean, half of our brood episode was just talking about how much we loved the architecture of like wood paneled rooms. Yeah. I think you and I, nature or parents messed up by not giving birth to us in like 1967 in Canada. So we could have been like 12 to teenagers by the late seventies, early eighties. Yeah. I'll never forgive them for that. I'll never forgive them for that. I leave a voicemail to my parents every morning (laughs) condemning them. You never moved to Canada and you conceived me too late. Good luck. Seeing me again. What? How did you feel about Scan scan Man? Well, the Scannies. I'd never seen it. Excuse me. I got dropped a piece of paper. Let me get that. Okay. If you uh, were true TK, you'd be able to lift that paper up off the floor up into your hand. I know. (laughs) And I would say the first half hour of this movie, I was like, I'm in love with this movie. Holy moly. That first half hour goes by so fast compared to the rest of the movie, where, like, I paused it, and it was, like, 32 minutes. I was like, what? Yeah. I thought we were in the first 10 minutes. (laughs) How'd you do it? There was, because it's so compact with so many cool ideas and cool things. Anyway, yes. It lost me a bit towards the end to become okay. The whole movie, I think, ended up... I'm glad I watched it. Um, It just, it kind of really dips in the, like, two-thirds area mm-hmm. it kind of comes back up again at the end but man that first first half hour is just so goddamn cozy that you're right that mall hmm. i can't believe that mall 
Gosh, I wonder what mall it was. I, I mean, obviously, it's probably. I read changed, that it was so we a, can't a go university back and, food court. Ooh, you heard that? Or? I read. So it wasn't a mall, but now I'm, I think so. I but maybe that's like maybe it's a mall called what like a cool university. university. I know. How do I get a master's degree in that place? That makes sense though, because it was a lot of like, it had a cafeteria vibe. Yeah, but um, wow. I um, you know, one of my fondest. And I love malls. You know, they're going the way of the buffalo now. And pretty much have. Yeah, I love yeah. them too. They, or they are. Yeah, they've gone the way. Mm-hmm. But um, in the late Audis 008, around there, I was in Vancouver for, for a few months. And there was a mall across mm. the street and uh, from where I was staying. And I love that mall. So much mm. at a movie theater in there, but Gorley, I don't know if I've told you this. Mm. Um, they would have like a Burger King, KSC, Taco Bell right outside the theater. You could order that food and bring it into the theater and eat Burger King, eat KFC, oh. eat Taco Bell, along with just like food, food at the concession stand. Oh my God. So that's where I saw Crystal Skull, my man. What were you eating? Uh, I was eating KFC. I'm yeah. eating chicken <laughs> and watching Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It was pretty great. Motherfucker. That's that's going to be the day where, like, you know, they always say, like, in America, the kids, the American dream is that the kids always have it better than the parents. <laughs> yes. Not anymore. It's over. Because you're going to tell your daughter one yeah. day, like, this she'll- happened for me, and she'll be like, we're on the we're on the downward trend. Yeah, you're right. Uh, this is, but not just for my child. Anybody's child, any subsequent generation will never be able to give their child as good of a day as eating <laughs> KFC in the in a Vancouver mall watching, watching Kingdom of the Crystal. Was Skull. it your first time seeing Crystal Skull? Yeah, it was the day it came out, and uh, maybe the day after because I think I had to work the day mm. I saw it. And uh, I loved it, man. I couldn't, nobody told me, I couldn't, it wasn't until I heard people talk about it that I realized it was bad. I don't hate it either. And it's actually growing on me a little bit. Mm. Um, what what parts have grown on you? Well, specifically the first half or first third, I really like. Yeah. I like the whole nuke the fridge thing. I don't have me any too. problem with that. I think it's funny. And it's kind of a good way, like, it's already a little ridiculous we're doing indie movies at this point anyway, mm-hmm. so why not have some fun? Yeah. David Ehrlich wrote, I forget what, if you just Google his name in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, he wrote this wonderful review of the movie mm. that really kind of digs into some things that I never picked up on that are really oh. good. Yeah. And I just remember liking that. the review, but I can't tell you what they are. No, that's great. I wouldn't read that because uh, I love those kinds of assessments yeah um yeah i think the only thing that i would have had negative after first watching kingdom of the crystal skull which i know we're discussing today (laughs) would have been uh i remember thinking like the cgi jungle by the end was too much yeah and i could have walked away out of the movie saying that but everything else i would have been like high on i would just been like hey i got to see an indiana jones movie yeah um to say I would have never. I don't think if somebody asked me if it was better than the other three, I would have no. said that. No, but um, and then 
I'd say in subsequent viewings, the only thing that pops out to me, the Ray Winstone, how many times he flips and flops and between why? like friend and traitor. Yeah, it seems real sloppy. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that part. Yes. I actively dislike that part. So if that stuff wasn't, he like is a traitor from like scene one and then keeps flip flopping. It's just yeah, it's, it, it's it's no good. It feels only used as a plot contrivance, not to make any sense of character or anything. But I had no problem with the alien thing. I no, don't know that no. I love the execution at the end, but judging that these things were based off serials, and yeah. that by the time you've moved into this era, all the B movies had turned into saucer men from Mars things. Yeah. I, I had no problem with that. Maybe it just could have been done a little differently. Yeah, and I love, um, I agree. And I also love uh, Wondrous Spielberg. It's my favorite kind of Spielberg. Mm, and that, yeah. that gets in the Wondrous territory. So I'm I'm all fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, well, we'll see you next week. That's our review of Scanners. <laughs> what if we ended as quickly as most of these movies and these one-offs I know. Just like, it's funny i've been so conditioned by these movies these one-offs all ending so abruptly that there's like 15 minutes left of this movie and it cuts to black after like a big or no 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 like five minutes left of the movie sorry there's a big kind of like explosion the guy's eyes turn white and it goes to black and i was like that's it that's yeah the me too and i was like we're not getting in an answer yeah, and, and then there was a little bit more. And I do like the very, very end of this movie. That was creepy to me. It creeped me out. Yeah, we'll talk about that because yeah. I was, I, I had, I did understand what was going on, but I doubted myself. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think I understood what was happening. Okay. It's just, um, yeah, we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, so you said you hadn't seen this. I saw this once back in college, so most of this was... A surprise to me. I remember the big, mm. you know, the big scene. In the I letters. didn't know that came so quickly. And then I also learned that that was hey, originally quit talking about the time you lost your virginity, my friend. Two out of my three, friend, hey, my friend. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yes, yeah, so when I first saw it, I remember thinking like head explosion in the first twenty minutes. What's going on here? But did you know that was originally? That's how the movie opened, and that Cronenberg switched it a little farther back because he realized people come into movies too late. And he didn't want them to miss the big head oh. mind blow. So it was supposed to start with that kind of little conference. And yeah, not which the is kind of like how The Brood starts too. Like just these kind You're of right. cult sort of clinics. Yeah, it's interesting. And this was the first movie after The Brood. And I, right? Yeah. I think. And uh, the production detail I know about this movie was that it was like, they were on a compressed time frame Troubled, because they were trying to yeah. get tax credits. So David Cronenberg isn't entirely in love. He f feels like it didn't do the movie uh, service by right. He was like writing it writing while he was shooting it. Yeah. it. And there are times where the brood stuff feels like it also could just be his mind hasn't fully left the like the the sort of like. I mean, it's also I guess in his entire body mm -hmm. of work but mm -hmm. like the like uh like uh it is like the beginning of the brood because it's like you said a group of people watching two people who have their bodies like bring something out of their body yeah in the first scene yeah um but i guess it's not as explosive at the beginning of the brood so he wasn't worried about people missing that part i guess not but it's funny because i want to imagine that like 
the brood and scanners are in the same universe and like is ephemeral the reason why psychoplasmics is happening in the first place or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh know? gosh, I didn't even think about the birth element of like this is like yeah, it's coming from mothers who are have taken a chemical and then brood is it's coming from a mother who yeah, without an explanation of why she can do it. Yeah. So maybe it is. Maybe ephemeral. they just don't mention that Dr. Raglan is injecting ephemeral into yeah. his patients at psychoplasmics. <laughs> well, and they both um um like uh, uh what was I going to say like they're um about kind of like um what I the other thing sorry that I liked about the, with the brood was this kind of like matter of factness of the science fiction yeah um, that it's like treated as if like um, uh, well you have a supermarket and you have school <laughs> and then you have psychoplasmics and yeah. the, like and, we and this, Sentech or whatever it is yeah I mean they're sort of like uh, unusual within the movie but not too much it's not like the weird it's it's more treated like a matter of fact yeah um and then also it's sort of like repercussions throughout the world doesn't ever seem to go out the 20 mile zone i know that of people canada live in. Yeah. and poor neck giblets guy he guy found his way into both cults yes he did i like his brood character way more yeah this one is just like i can't i the criticism I'll probably keep making about this movie is that it does seem like it was like thinly written where Cronenberg's like, well, this actor I like, so I'll make him an eccentric. Yeah. But he's just kind of like a series of ticks, not like a I character. Agree. And and your main actor in this is... I mean, he's more of a nothing than the guy in the brood. I didn't think it was possible. And I just wonder what it is with Cronenberg and picking these kind of hollow leading males where everybody else around them is so rich. I don't, I don't know what's yeah. going on there. Yeah. The idea that, and when everybody else kind of has is rich in character. Yeah. Like charitably, I guess if somebody did that, my only assumption, if if it was charitable, would be like, Oh, they want the audience to fill that character up with themselves. Like, yeah. They want this person to be such a proxy for the audience that they're not going to like let details get in the way of you being able to. I mean, that again is charitable because I don't think it works. And I was thinking about it particularly when I was watching. I was like, why does this bother me when it doesn't? And then I watched a thing about Rear Window online. Mm. My algorithm brought me to some <laughs> Rear Window yeah. thing, and it was like. Oh, Martin Scorsese was talking about Rear Window, and he was like, that movie, you know, you're watching people in the windows, but he's like, Jimmy Stewart is like a weird guy. He doesn't say a weird guy, but he's like a guy yeah. who's kind of on the edge of something, and so he's bringing his own psychology to like what he's watching. I was like, that's what I miss in these Cronenberg empty protagonist characters yeah. is if they had some sort of inner turmoil or conflict or contradiction in them that they were trying to work out in the movie, it would just make things just more psychologically rich. Totally agree. And yeah. with the brood, that guy was kind of an empty shell, but I do at least think the actor 
was act, like kind of mm-hmm. had a capability. He had a facility with acting, even if it wasn't fully that charismatic or even all that much engaged. This guy just actually nothing against him, but he doesn't yeah. feel like he's up to par f- for the film. It, I mean, would anybody want to have to do that part where no. you're like shaking your head and <laughs> moving your head and eyes around to make things move in the room. That's tough. I mean, ah, it Carrie, really is. Uh, 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 Sissy Spacek does it in Carrie and is amazing in it. Yeah. But that is some heavy duty lifted oh, to have to pull off. As I know. Actor. And so there's the two big scenes in this movie, the one in the beginning at the like the symposium or whatever it is. Right. And then the one at the end. But I will say that's when I found that actor to be the most engaged in the thing. And then Michael Ironside's version of that is just incredible. This is the first time I've seen Michael Ironside actually act. act. I, he's often playing just a kind of stock bad guy. And so you, you're just not thinking about his acting. Yeah. What's your main Ironside I in your mind? I guess the Total Recall. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mine what too. about? Yeah. 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 And then so... Even in this movie, he's got a lot of that going on. But then the little video sequence when he's 22 and he's kind mm-hmm. of first going crazy, I was pretty impressed by him. I, I've never seen him go for it like that. Uh, yeah, I like that too. I liked his little interrogation. Yeah, when he has that like third eye. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that helped too because it was truly offsetting because his eyes weren't lining up with that at times yeah. and it really helped. Yeah, the, it's so funny. I was thinking when Ironside, Michael Ironside playing, was it Daryl? Daryl Remick or something. Yeah, uh, Daryl Rennick. Rennick. Yeah. That he uh, or Revick? What is it? I think Rennick. it's Rennick. Rennick. Yeah. Uh, when he's like, uh, he's just being such a bastard in scenes, and I was like, just because of who Michael Ironside, the mug that he was born with, he will never get to play like the teacher who comes in <laughs> and teaches kid like a group of like wayward youths. To become good citizens through like painting, <laughs> like know. he just will never get to have that role. Because I'd never seen this, I thought I know this is one of his early movies. Oh, he's on all the pictures, the poster. He must be the good guy. Yeah. So I didn't realize McGowan essentially was, and then this other guy. Yeah, there's probably a reason why they did with that guy on the poster. Uh, I just know. his like blank, blue-eyed <laughs> stare of be like, I'm going to scan you." <laughs> But I've noticed with Ironside lately, and it must be a product of every filmmaker that grew up out of the 80s and knew Ironside as this kind of classic B-movie villain, yeah. has now reinvented him in uh, Nobody with um, Bob Odenkirk. He's kind of a like gentle patriarch. Oh, He's a good military commander in X-Men First Class. Uh, and I think lately he's had this resurgent where, resurgence where he's kind of come back as a fond... Uh, so he could maybe play the teacher who gets a group of youths. We'll uh, see about the teacher thing. I'm not sure about that, but maybe. <laughs> That's funny. I, uh, um, he was in X-Men First Class. Is that the one, the 60s? That yeah, one? he's oh, like the, the destroyer commander, the naval commander, just at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what a last name, though, too. I know. Who? Ironside. God. And to be the villain and to have those eyebrows and that face. Yeah. I just yeah. realized he probably wouldn't like my last name. Oh, no. Ironside. Him, him and I are like uh, like Jack Black and Jack White. Yeah. Even though Diametrically they, opposed. Didn't they get together and make an album called like Grey Matter well, or something? Well, why aren't me and Ironside getting together and making an album? I know. 
who is your what is a anti gorely well, gorely so uh uh i guess what's the opposite of gore um mm-hmm. just clean cleanly cleanly, cleanly. who's mr clean mr yeah me, me and mr clean <sighs> and let me tell you his reps have been reaching out and i just haven't known You're what to a, say you don't want to do an album with no, him i'm a mr bubbles guy right I'm just Mr. Just my cleaning products have to be a Mr. Yes. Except uh, my syrup can be an ant. <laughs> Although they don't make that anymore. They don't? They don't make Aunt oh. Jemima and with good reason. That's good. Yeah. But they do make Mr. Clean and Mr. Is it Mr. Bubbles? Mr. Bubbles. Yeah. I just bought some Mr. Bubbles last week. You did? Yeah. I love the smell of Mr. Bubbles. And I love his attitude. <laughs> They're on the front. Yeah. He's just he's down for some fun. Yeah. Um, oh, I love the advertisement in the uh, life. Oh, the, the time all. Yeah. Yeah. That man. Sometimes, particularly with the doctored photos and movies, those can oh, look yeah. really, really bad. Yeah. That looked like the real deal. Um. And uh, gosh, I would love like a a framed ephemeral ad. I know. Wouldn't that be cool? I even had to look up ephemeral to see if it was a real drug. Is it? Because no. when I typed it in, it like auto-filled it for me. Yeah, because so I, I like, think it's been enough albums and references have been made to it <laughs> that it's in the zeitgeist now. That might be one of the best fake-sounding medicine chemical things in a movie. It's really good, yeah. I mean, it's no unobtainium. <laughs> Which I believe is real. Isn't that crazy? Oh You're my talking gosh. about the Avatar mineral or whatever? Yeah, yeah I think that's actually real. So Cameron was just pulling from me, the headlines. Let me fact check that. But. Um, uh, you know what I think is really uh, unobtainium? You mentioned it already. The American dream is the ultimate unobtainium. There go. Oh, shit. That was a good vamp. <laughs> <laughs> Unobtainium is not a real element, but it is a real word. Since the 1950s, engineers and scientists have used the word to describe the perfect material to solve a particular engineering problem, except that it doesn't exist. Hmm. Well, oh, so it'd almost be like <laughs> in Avatar, they were trying to get the dream woman. Yeah. Like it's a term that's been used, might not necessarily, it's just an idea, but. Leave it to James Cameron. To find the unattain- unobtainable, to obtain the unobtainable. <laughs> Do you think he just Googled unobtainable? He was like, I want, yeah. I'm going to find out what's unattainable in this universe and get it. Me have that. Me, James Cameron, <laughs> me have that. No one else have that. Me have that. <laughs> Ooh, Cameron see, shares a name with our, with our boy Cameron in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Do you think James Cameron named himself after the main character in Scanners? <laughs> or was Cronenberg kind of like going? He saw the credits for Escape to New York. I was like, who's this James Cameron guy yeah. working on this? I'm going to. Yeah, he's watching all these Roger Corman films going, there's something about these movies I want to take down. I don't know. I bet it's that Cameron. Well, I guy. think, wasn't. Um, I think Scanners was originally written. Cronenberg was trying to get into the Corman camp. Because it was written like 10 years before, because it was something about... Um, oh, right. Uh, uh, like CIA spies with scanner abilities, and it got... I forget what the actual... 
Yeah, and um, yeah, using this idea, um, it feels kind of like a Roger Cormany idea, an idea about like um, uh, a special team of TK telekinesis spies. Yeah. Um, also, did you get some? You know, we know David Cronenberg must have grown up in the age of Bond, came of age in the age of Bond. Do you think this had some Bond? I mean, maybe just any espionage in general is going to like, but just like the scene of like, here's the plan. We're going to have you go in, infiltrate their system. Yeah, the briefing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's pretty good. But maybe that's any espionage or mission movie in general. Yeah. Also that this movie just kind of has a nemesis too. Um, And he's foreshadowing Spectre where they're brothers. Yes. <laughs> Do you think if Scanners never existed, we would have never no had him? Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, no way. If there was a Scanners remake, would you want the Daryl part to be played by Christoph Waltz <laughs> and the camera part to be uh, 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 our boy Daniel Craig? In a word, yes. Yeah, that'd be pretty good. And then Patrick McGowan would be Rafe Fiennes. <laughs> And uh, yeah, and uh, 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 Jennifer O'Neill would be um, maybe Ava Green. Yeah, yeah. Now we did. I think we discussed this in a previous episode. They were they had the rights to make a Scanners remake, and then the director reached out to David Cronenberg and said, "Do you mind?" And he didn't get his blessing. Yeah, and it was a known. Was it David Goyer or who was it? It was someone. I think it might have been Weird Al because he has to ask (laughs) for permission to like use stuff. Too bad it wasn't uh like who who was it? Who Kanye West, is he the one that samples everybody? Uh, oh, without permission or does he use permission? Well, Kanye West does this thing where he'll bring somebody into a studio. Uh I love Kanye West, by the way. So I say this with love. I think it's a cool way to work. He'll bring in just like geniuses and like, here's a guitar. And they'll just start playing a riff. He's like, I love that riff. I'm going to use it. And then just like plunks it out and then finds a cool way to, to my understanding, that's how it works. But maybe, are you saying? Because didn't he do Diamonds Are Forever? Oh, yeah. I wonder if he got permission for that. I mean, you probably have to legally. Oh, I know you have to because he had to re-record the... um, um, uh, Lauren Hill had a he wanted to use a sample of her song she didn't give it so he had to re-record mm. the song to get the sample oh so he's not asking permission so he should remake Scanners He yes okay, Kanye that... West's Scanners right and um <laughs> yeah. Do when you say things, does it just happen? Uh-huh. If you just say words, it starts happening. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Okay. Uh, uh, I I mentioned her name, Jennifer O'Neill. Yeah. The actress in this. She's had a wild okay. life, my friend. Did you read her IMDb bio? Yes. I'm not going to read everything, but I do think some of it needs to be recounted. Yes. Because it is the strangest... stranger than scanners. I'm gonna. And there's a new expression. Instead of stranger than fiction, it's stranger than scanners, <laughs> because it's not just how. Um, let's say it's charitable. Say eventful her life has been, but this bio itself, as written, is it's, one of the craziest it's also fucking bonkers. things. It's crazy. So, uh, 
I will say mild trigger warning. I'm not going to read everything because she has had a tough life. So you can check out the full bio on itself. But there are so many zigs and zags in this that I'm just going to hold on. Let me just. Oh, yeah. When I was saying she had a wild life, I wasn't trying to be glib about the, the no, tragedies. No. I, I just meant in summation, it's it's been a a varied life. But I couldn't believe some of the turns. So, it, OK, they're just highlights. From, yes. Jennifer O'Neill was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil on February 20th, 1948. Her father, Oscar, who died in 2009 at age 91, was of Irish-Spanish descent, and her mother, Irene, was English. Whereas Elvis Presley was riding high on the fame of his hit record, Blue Suede Shoes, in 1956, in 1957, when Jennifer was nine years old, schoolmates humiliated her over a pair of pink suede shoes. Things got worse when her parents... (laughs) This is her bio. Things got worse when her parents refused to buy her a horse parentheses she's always loved horses and got her a cat instead this is her imd bio imdb bio and that is only the beginning okay it it gets dark uh uh she tried something that's sad and her parents only called it an attempt for attention uh she woke up from two-week coma to find that the incident had shocked her body oh god i can't uh, uh she broke her back at age 15 and her neck in three places when a horse she was riding fell on her. And and the the attempt she took on her life was because of the horse. Oh, I didn't realize that. I think it, for, for, I, I don't want to put out false claims here, but I, I think it was she was going to have they were going to move into the city and she was going to have to give up the horse. And she was sad about giving up the oh. horse. So there's like this tragic element then that the horse would break her back and neck years later. And, oh god yeah. okay um hold on let's see she was a cover girl which and this is this is nice that she started at age 25 but then had a 30 year run as the as the uh, cover girl for the cover girl campaign oh, it's a great career yeah O'Neill's had her ups and downs, successes and failures, marriages and divorces, and tragedies. She married her first husband at age 17 in 1965 and had a daughter, Amy Rossiter. During her first marriage, she checked herself into a mental hospital for treatment for mental stress and underwent electroshock therapy. O'Neill got her first divorce in 71 and had an abortion before she married her second husband in 72. Oh, I didn't know about it. This time to former advertising executive and novelist and... But I, I just, I just don't understand why this stuff is in her IMDb bio exactly. Um, yeah, and so oddly written, and it not much about her acting career. But then that marriage ended in divorce. Um, it was only at age twenty-four with her second husband that she began to experience orgasms. Why is this in her IMDb? Maybe she wrote it. Maybe. Maybe she wanted to set the record straight. Uh. O'Neill married her third husband. Her third husband in seventy-five. Her producer and choreography. He was also. The How many orig- people were marrying their third spouse in nineteen seventy-five? A lot. <laughs> he was also the original choreographer for the Chippendale Dancers. She divorced him in seventy-six. He was found shot to death with a large caliber handgun in eighty-seven. Oh. O'Neill married husband because of the number. Stock market drop. <laughs> I don't know. O'Neill married husband number four in 1978, Jeff Barry, a British drummer, singer, and songwriter, leader of the pack, I'm a believer, sugar, sugar, but divorced him in 1979. Whoa. How can you divorce the songwriter of sugar, sugar? O'Neill then married her manager, John Lederer, husband number five in 1979, and he gave her a son. Gave her a son. (laughs) 
However, he also went through all her money. Oh, fair trade. This poor woman. O'Neill at the time of the marriage that... O'Neill knew at the time of the marriage that he was a convicted felon, but married him anyway. Letterer convicted was, felon for what? I, let's see. Ooh. Letterer was subsequent... Oh, God. It gets, it gets dark. This is just too sad. She amassed money again and had a son, Cooper, with husband number six, Richard A. Allen, her limo driver with whom she went on a blind date and married in 1984. Allen was unfaithful to her with prostitutes, and she divorced him in 1987 but remarried him in 1993. Allen later divorced her. When when prostitution uh, was outlawed. (laughs) In 1993. Keep in mind, this is still an internet movie database bio. At age 44, O'Neill, and I'm not making any fun of the tragedies. No, this is just a. Don't understand this bio. At age 44, O'Neill married husband number seven, Neil L. Bonin, in December of 1992. (laughs) I guess a lot of times you do have to kneel in order for that to happen. In December of 92 in Travis, Texas, during a cross-country car trip, O'Neill's five-year-old son serving as the best man. O'Neill had met Bonin in a New York restaurant, and he was 11 years her junior. O'Neill had the marriage... Bonin was her junior? (laughs) O'Neill had met Bonin in a New York restaurant... Oh, I said that. O'Neill had the marriage annulled in May of 93 after just five months due to fraud, which induced her into the marriage. I didn't know his last name was Bonin. <laughs> she then married Mervyn Sidney Loke, a music producer, her eighth husband, ninth marriage, in 1996, and she's still married to him. Hey, he has to feel good. She has to feel good about that. At 34, O'Neill also suffered a gunshot wound. Police officers in Bedford, New York, who interviewed the actress in the mansion of her 25-room, 30-acre French-style estate, report that on October 2382, O'Neill said that had she sh- that she had shot herself accidentally in the navel with her then-husband John Letterer's 38 caliber revolver in the bedroom while she was trying to determine if it was loaded. Hmm... O'Neill reports that at age 38 and 86, she also became a born-again Christian. Yep. <laughs> uh, she moved to Tennessee and was arrested for driving while intoxicated in 99. She wrote an autobiography called Surviving Myself. Oh, the driving while intoxicated remind me of a detail about her life. Yeah. Did you hear about the black hole? There's more? This is not covered in the IMDb biography. This was in the Wikipedia. Okay. I'll just add it because it's part of the... Yeah, I'm done with the stuff in the bio, so go for oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the black hole, she was going to have to get her... She got the part, but she was going to have to cut oh. her hair. Which because so, she's... Is she in the black hole or she's No, not? she's okay. not. She went and got her hair cut, but according to the internet, she was... She drank a lot because she was nervous or whatever about getting her hair cut. And then she drove home... And got into an accident. Oh, man. Driving back from that, she lost the part, and they recast it. Oh. I I just feel for this woman so much. I, I don't understand that bio. It does feel like fan-written or someone who just yeah. did, had to do a book report on her <laughs> memoir or something put that in there. Yeah. Or a- but when she appears in this movie, I remember going, who's that? 
because I I don't think I've seen a movie she's been in before. She's really bewitching because she's obviously gorgeous, but she yeah. kind of has this graying hair. Mm-hmm. I just I find her she's, magnetic. Yeah, and she seems uh, smart and sophisticated. Yeah, and uh, and especially up against. The, the main actor. Goober. <laughs> Dr. Goober. Ha- yeah, she's Hans in... Goober. <laughs> she's in Summer of 42, which I've never seen. I haven't either. Yeah, so that would be... Uh, can I take a Summer of Number One? <laughs> me, me too. Well, what, what's a scanners? Peers? What's a bathroom break for scanners? Uh, um, Flushers? <laughs> terrible. Sc- uh, scan. Um, uh... Scooters, because you sometimes got to scoot onto the seat to poop. Skimmers, crampers, ephemeral. A David. Daryl. A David Cronin. Cronin. A Jennifer O'Feel. Like P.M. Peel. A Michael Fire uh, P. I don't know. Oh this is so hard. I'll think of it. Okay, we'll be right okay. back with the perfect title for P. With and Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With and well, I didn't think of one, did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> is that is that something that we should just let when it happens it happens but we don't have to have one every time because you get slave to traditions, you know. Yeah, and also um uh we don't want to have a a Phantom Menace pod racing situation where I ever like pee oh, yeah. all over the seat because we were waiting, trying to figure out the name of one. That's right. If that actually happened, that'd be amazing. Yeah, last know. week it came pretty close. <laughs> I know. You actually dropped the mic. You did a mic drop for peeing. It was great. <laughs> that's a, I, I think that's probably why most people do mic drops. Because they have to pee, but yeah, they're, they're making it seem like the coolest thing in the world, but really they're going to wet. The britches. Yeah. <laughs> they need a little flair, otherwise <laughs> it'll look silly. Um, so, uh, uh, just a, a, a couple, just top thoughts. Top thoughts. Um, top thoughts. Uh, top thoughts. Uh, um, I like the kind of. Um, this is. Uh, we live in north america i know we are making this for the industries of north america this is uh, uh look i'm not gonna say whether this is a canadian film my point is this can play in the states 
And if we even mention that this is in Canada, American states audiences will get up and walk out. <laughs> it's so embarrassed of its own Canadian thing. And every sign's in French. It's not even Canadian. It's in, is it in Montreal? Where did they shoot this? Uh, yeah, I think, I think so. so. Yeah. 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 That's so funny. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a, uh, I'm trying to think of times in my life where I've ever tried to like broaden a term to kind of like make people, uh, you know, yeah, it's not inclusive. It's more uh, embarrassment, it seems like, in this, you know? Yeah. Maybe if I was, like, um, Catholic, and I was, like, the only Catholic hanging out with a bunch of Lutherans, <laughs> I, I would just be like, I love Christianity. Yeah, Judeo-Christian Moors are my favorite. They're great. And I fit into that category. <laughs> Anybody watching from South America, though, can go fuck. Yeah, I guess that's the implication for David Cronenberg. Yeah. Uh, also, um, thought the uh, there's just zero levity in this movie. I, yeah, I couldn't really. think of a single lighthearted or like jokey moment. And I thought about why. And I think it's because of the character problem. Like, if a horror movie is going to be like funny, yeah, it's going to be bad if they're like making fun of it that it's a horror movie or that you're watching a horror movie or like, ooh, the monster's chasing me. So it can only come out of like character. But can you imagine? Think of one like funny quirk or difference in character in the 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 Cameron character that he could even have a moment of like oh look at he's like us yeah he can't get the door open right now or whatever nothing he's maybe one of the most hollow characters i've seen in a film in my memory yeah i mean is it just because he was raised in a a a, a, a test tube by his dad and he never got to go out and experience life is this his rumspringer it might be. Is this his scanner, Rumspringer? Oh my god! Getting to go out because that's the twist we find out later, right? Yes. Yeah. But uh, but was he? Yeah, we don't. He doesn't know where he was raised, or he doesn't remember his childhood. I think it's basically like he was held in a thing and then thawed out. Essentially, I somehow missed that. Not like truly thought out, but I think it was kind of like uh, they have him in wait, and then when they finally needed him, they just. The beginning of the movie is maybe like an hour after they let him loose. So he doesn't have a memory of who he is or where he's at. Interesting. Um, But like, I could totally be wrong with that though. And also, it is funny though that like most, maybe this is like a nice, Americans feel like they have to do this. But just like, especially now post whatever, it's just like um, every hero has to be like, the chosen one yeah. has had to grow up feeling like they always knew they were something special. And this, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not Luke Skywalker. You don't even have like, Luke Skywalker doesn't believe he's the chosen one or anything, but he grows up being like, like there's something more out there. I'm bored here. This guy is just like walking around a cafeteria, eating other people's food. Look, I'm as good as heroes anybody else. You gonna finish that? <laughs> oh, that French fry sure looks good. You gonna throw that away, man? <laughs> what are you looking at, old lady? Guys gotta eat. Hmm. I'm gonna go see Crystal Skull and take this inside. 
trying to stop me. Wait, uh, can we quickly yeah. go back? Yes. To, even though we don't have logo loco segment for this. I know, no logo. Because that's just decidedly Cronenberg. These Canadian films, he can get away with that. So you get yeah. another film like The Brood that's just titles over black. God, I would love it though if they opened this with like a Canadian flag. It was like brought to you by <laughs> the Canadian Commission on Arts. And he would get in trouble with this too, right? Because people would be like, our tax dollars are going to make boiling phones. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, you're so funny. The I was because you were saying that our tax code dollars going and my natural comic brain went to exploding heads, which I think is the obvious choice. And you you distilled it down. That is so funny. Would you be more going, outraged about melting phones than exploding heads? Like exploding heads is fine. It was cool. Because that also doesn't really make sense in the movie. <laughs> Boiling phones. Boiling melting tar phones. Hi. I just would like to speak to the council of film. Uh, my tax dollars. Imagine my surprise when I went to the cinema this weekend to find my hard-earned tax money went to a fucking boiling phone. <laughs> Do you know what it takes for a Canadian to use the F word? A lot. We really give it hard to the Canadians on this podcast, but sorry. We're sorry. <laughs> we don't know what it's about, but we... No, I, I obviously, anything you deride, it comes out of wishing to be that thing. That's true. Of course I wish I grew up and lived in Canada. It's been great. And I love Canadian music, too. I love Canadian, Canadian music. music. <laughs> now, the Violet Febs, I think, are from Wisconsin, which is as close to Canada as you can get. But, I mean, Canada, just annex Wisconsin. You, I mean, it's already yours. You can claim the Violet Femmes as your own. Yeah. Uh, and Happy Days. <laughs> yes. Hey, we're sorry, but we're going to take the fonts from you, okay? Uh, <laughs> eh? <laughs> hey! <laughs> oh, that's too I good. I love that's... Canadian Fonzie. Do you love Canadian Fonzie? <laughs> hey. Uh, the other... Uh, truly from a love of Canada that this comes from. When they go later into that factory, I was getting total strange brew vibes, man. Oh, yeah. When they go into the factory and um, they're in the <laughs> canister of beer. Yeah. And Doug has to drink it all and he gets really big and fat because he drinks all the beer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in too long. Uh, it has like this early 80s Canada vibe that's like so good. Uh, it's yeah. cozy. Yeah, I believe it. Um, the other thing I was going to just say too about like, what's interesting about this movie is like it's, in addition to like the no jokes, no warmth, no levity, like, so this is the premise of the movie. It's a world where you can hear other people's thoughts mm -hmm. And I think probably also experience their f feelings and know their feelings. So it's so funny that like David Cronenberg avoids any of the opportunities for like insight into people, into humans, and it automatically is like spy dudes blow up heads. <laughs> there is no <laughs> sex in this movie. And I don't mean like I'm not looking for nudity or like right. lustful. There's just no, there's no human 
there's no humanity in this movie, yeah. really. There's just not. Yeah, even if you could get into somebody's thoughts and know about their like erotic, yeah, internal how they operate, it's just like so funny to me that you have the opportunity to know somebody's thoughts, especially and in the first scene. Is I'd blow up his head. <laughs> It is it is like Cronenberg doing his I don't have time so I'm just going to do 12-year-old boy mode. But like the And I agree with that. I think it is like, "Hey, you're making a horror movie. You're making a thriller movie here. I don't blame him. I'm not I don't expect yeah. 30 scenes about like now I know truly how my wife feels. How does that make I don't me feel? Either, but. but and I'm not saying like every movie like this has to have a ro- romance story, but you would think that you'd want a connection between um, Con- what's his name? Cameron, Cameron and what's her name? Jennifer O'Neill. That like, <laughs> wouldn't they have one scene where they're at least kind of like connecting emotionally in some way? And link up. What yeah. would it mean to be able to link up in with a the positive person? way? Yeah, yeah. But instead, and also, but also, like, would you be tempted to like link up and be like, "Is my dick weird? Does she think my <laughs> dick is weird?" Or like, link up for a moment or, to find that out. Or what's working for, oh, she seems to like this. Right. I like this. But instead of that escalation, he escalates it to, oh, humans can read the minds of computers as well. That threw me. That threw me. Turns oh, like, out we might not have liked this movie as much as we thought. Yeah, when he like, he he like freaks out their modem basically yeah. through the phone. And that's yeah. when the boiling phone happens. Yes. The melting boiling that's phone. That's when it all comes together. That blew me. And then the telephone booth blows up. It's not combustible. I mean, it has some like 1995 hackers logic to it. Or or like like, the net. Or like airplane or naked gun. Like that's naked gun level where the milk tanker blows up. Oh my gosh. I mean, I was wrong. There is a, a moment of comedy, maybe not intentional, but when that gas station blows up. And you hear the guy give the most classic line reading of oh shit from the early 80s that you could possibly. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> I <laughs> laughed the only out way loud. Shit, oh shit could be said in the 80s. When the, when the telephone blew up, I was like, I think, you know, wow. I think that's all um, scientifically sound, grounded. I guess it depends who's on the other line. <laughs> right. If what's on the other line is combustible. It can happen. Yeah. If somebody, if fires on the other end of gasoline, if fire and gasoline <laughs> are talking to each other on the telephone, look out. If, if vinegar and baking soda <laughs> are talking to each other on the phone and you put a Mentos in I don't know how that works. Yeah. I saw a Diet Coke on a payphone and phone was everywhere. I was like, he must be talking to some Mentos. <laughs> Collect call for Mentos. Will you accept the charges? <laughs> well, I'm Diet Coke. I don't know if that's a guy. He's waiting. Okay, I'll do it. Hello. Oh, boy. <laughs> Who's going to pay for this? But yeah, you're right. No logo loco. But did you like the, um? I like that green color computer font. Yeah. Although. Pre-Matrix. But wasn't it the end credits that were in computer? The, yeah, the you're front right. Credits I, were I guess just, the first credits were just green. Yeah. Um, Dick Smith. So crazy. We were talking about Dick Smith last I week. I know. And he did the the makeup effects. Them and uh, who were the who special was, trolley the, trade? Doing the micro effects? Yeah, I micro forget effects. who did the micro effects and what those are exactly. But Terminator, the first Terminator has a couple like 
opening credits credits to the special effects team like uh, there must have been some poll yeah in the early 80s i know like you'll get me but you're gonna have to put our name in the opening credits what was the film we watched recently where they had certain effects by or like right because we were like why was they trying to distance themselves certain, you know, you know. certain not gonna say who some of the lesser effective effects were done by my nephew randall <laughs> And uh, as far as the other credits, Howard Shore yeah. is back. Um, I like. Uh, I, it's not like I would put the soundtrack on just to listen to it while I'm cleaning my house or anything, but I do like the kind of like weird, staticky, feedbacky sounds that are yeah. used in this, especially for the scanning sounds. Yeah, it was pretty good. Let's talk Magoon. Magoon. Yeah, I mean, there's just no one like him for better or for worse. So this is Doctor Ruth. <laughs> Dr. Ruth, that's the other thing. She Wasn't she not around at this time? She should have been, yes. He was like, well, it's either that or Dr. Joycelyn Brothers. <laughs> Is that her name, Joycelyn Brothers? Dr. Joycelyn. Joyce, bro- Joyce Brothers. Dr. Joyce oh, Brothers, yeah. yeah. Uh, and Dr. Ruth, so crazy, this morning I heard something about her. Yeah, she's still around. Live and kicking. Yeah. Um. Yeah. What what are you what what's your take on? I don't know because you know I may have mentioned that I rewatched the Prisoner or actually finally made it through that whole series. Yes, and been listening to that great podcast, A Degree Absolute, and I did an episode of that podcast that hasn't come out yet where we talked about the movie Ice Station Zebra, and mm. I'd never seen that movie, and McGowan's in that. Oh. He just speaks like no other human on earth, and. <laughs> It'll be very subtle down here. And then suddenly it'll go up here. <laughs> it's really something. This movie is the most subdued I've ever seen him. Yeah, I felt like he was pretty, yeah, sub Jeff Bridges for sure. Yeah. And I'd forgotten he was in this till he, his credit popped up. And how long did is Jeff Bridges for sure? <laughs> did he, did he, is he dead? Yeah, he, he I forget when he died, but. God, I don't know what I would know him from. Braveheart? Never seen Braveheart. Whoa. I know, I know. Um, and you've never seen The Prisoner? Mm-mm. Oh, so you, this is funny. This is your first taste of Magoo and this you haven't seen. This is my first seen, taste of Magoo. Like, He's amazing in Braveheart. He's he's really oh. going for it, but he just has these line readings. Like he's this old dying Edward the Second King, and the trouble with Scotland. Damn, is it full of Scots? It's so he'll uh, also do like the Mike Myers. Like I'm having trouble controlling the volume of my voice. Yes, he's got two levels, but. <laughs> He famously took over production on The Prisoner, and he's a really devout Catholic, so he's really strict about, like, he wouldn't kiss a woman in the production, and Hmm. no one really, I think, knows what's going on with this guy, but there's a a documentary about him on on Amazon Prime about this guy trying to get an interview with him about, I think it's about The Prisoner, and the documentary becomes about how McGowan takes over this documentary and wants to micromanage it. Oh. But you actually get the feeling like it's not out of... He doesn't seem like a megalomaniac or... I guess he's it's probably ego-driven, but he almost seems just really worried about the... The work? The, yeah, or 
like maybe he has a little uh, obsessive compulsiveness about wanting to make sure he really wants to manage the information, but uh. it doesn't feel like in a way to necessarily to protect himself. He just seems incapable of otherwise doing that. So I wonder what it was like on this film for him. I know yeah. I read that McGowan and Jennifer O'Neill didn't get along. Yeah. And that they were different. Right. Yeah. Also, it's funny because that is his sort of character in scanners as somebody who's micromanaging things too much and trying to have control over what, um, yeah the chemicals doing, but then also what his sons are doing. Right. Yeah. And hearing that this production was kind of being written on the fly because it makes me wonder if he had a little hand in some of the dialogue, because why the fuck does he have a soliloquy in this movie where he comes into a room and talks to himself about his thoughts? That is not something you see outside of Shakespeare anymore. Well, and I was trying to think like he's scanning his own thoughts right now. What what is (laughs) happening? And he was like, yeah, tortured. Oh, but I hear this sound over here and this sound yeah. over there. But that just felt like to me, just roll the cameras. Let me, <laughs> trust me, trust me. Yeah, I, uh, that was during the big dirge in this scene. I mean, even movies I love, all movies got the 75 minute problem where yeah. things just aren't as fun as they were at the beginning and not going to be as fun as they are at the end. But this has a real, we'll get to it. It's just like a stretch of like five scenes of just people talking about what they're going to do yeah. and why they've done things and what they hope will happen. Yeah. Honestly, ooh, hot, hot, might be the hottest take that comes out of here. Oh my God. I tried to give Game of Thrones a shot, mm. two or three episodes. There was nothing more outside of goddamn strategizing. Mm. Every scene is just people going, I'm going to do this, but I might do that. Well, I think I, uh, I can't get started on it. I'm getting angry <laughs> talking about I couldn't get through. <sighs> okay, it's fine. It's, it's okay. Fine. It's just what was happening to me when I was watching um, 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 Scanners. When yeah. we were hit those like five seasons in a row, I'm like, we're in game. Throats territory. I know. There was a lot of talking in a movie that should be really exciting. And the most exciting stuff was when it would use a cinema to tell what was how scanning works. So, like when they did those like dissolves, when Michael Ironstein was communicating with his henchmen outside that building and they was like oh, a close yeah. up and dissolving to that guy and dissolving to that guy. I was like, that's cool. And then when they're waiting outside and she's like, or when he's before the assassins come into the plaster thing, yeah. and a, a, just a car rolls up and they're like, they're here. Somebody's here. Yeah. I was like, they're using movies. What only movies can do. You can have two people in different locations and their thoughts are, that was awesome. The thing I loved was when Jennifer O'Neill and the Cameron guy were in that white hallway and they were flanked by security guards. And it wasn't even like the trick of like, she was becoming his mother and making him cry. It was just the way it was staged where they were shoulder to shoulder, but looking opposite directions beyond each other to their respective security guards. And it just had this almost like X-Men feel of like, I'll get him, you get him. And I I feel like that's where this movie should begin right there. That's where you get started. And then let's see where it goes. Good point. If it was those two starting on the run. Yeah. Yeah. 
I did like that scene, though, where she made the security guard think he was talking to his mommy. Yeah. It reminded me, I was expecting her to put on a... Uh, a light blue cable knit sweater and be like, Jason, ah, no, your mother is talking to you, Jason. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, uh, and I guess it's a little psycho too. Now yeah. That I think about it. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, if the scene would have started with those two in the Canadian cafeteria oh. running around. And then the, you got this escalator and it made me wonder about the most famous escalator scenes, because this one's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got American Werewolf in London, of course, with Bib, yes. Bib Fortuna. Bib Fortuna's escalator ride. Yeah, Total Recall. Great escalator scene. Skyfall's got a little bit of it. Can you think of any others? Um, Carlito's Way has a really great escalator scene. Oh, I can't scene. remember that, and I remember liking that movie. And I think it was maybe the first time I've seen the, like... The escalator's bringing you up when you just need to go down and point your gun down right at the perfect, like, it's, mm. it, that was, like, the first time I saw that kind of, like, work out. And then, this is a horror movie we can maybe watch. I feel like The Stepfather, They just it have might one not in be this house. scene, but there's some crazy scene where, like, somebody gets, like, eaten up by an escalator, like, because... Oh. <laughs> And Scanners at the very end when he kind of like rolls up. I remember thinking, be careful. You don't want that thing to happen in that horror movie. Um, yeah, any other escalator? That's all I can think of. Weird science? Does it maybe end with like the girls come down on an escalator? <laughs> it might be. Um, or Super Bad also I think has a good escalator ending. <laughs> but I love escalators. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I got a shoelace stuck in one once. Did you really? Yeah. It was scary. It was a summer where my parents were just telling me endlessly, tie your shoes. Just keep, t- why aren't you tying your shoes? Tie your shoes. I don't want to. Why do you have to tie your shoes anyway? It's stupid. So what did you do? What happened? It got like stuck in there. And then my mom or dad like came in, like it was getting sucked in and they like pulled it out. <sighs> the other thing too, I think I have um, told I'm pretty sure I told this other thing, but with that same Canadian mall where I yeah. got to eat chicken and watch Crystal, <laughs> uh, Crystal Skull was the same mall where I accidentally walked in to a, the women's bathroom. Oh, yeah. And the like stages your brain goes through when yeah. you do that, you like walk in and you're like, I'm going to use a urinal. I don't have urinals. Huh. Is this a bathroom without urinals? Yeah. Okay. And then <laughs> I heard like two stall doors open. And two women stepped out. And I believe I've shared this before. It was I remember I realized how non threatening of a man I am <laughs> that when they stepped out, they both laughed. It was funny to them to see like their little brother be like, What's going on? And I turned around and I ran out. Oh, I remember we did talk about that only because I've seen that people have written that last week when I talked about Equus and you said, No, you haven't told that story before. Both of us had forgotten that I had story. <laughs> no, I swear you never. You've told you've talked about Equus, Equus, but I don't know if I've heard the. Maybe it was stage. another podcast, and it could have been like James Bonding or something. But also, I had an escalator experience when I was a kid, where I was just I think at J.C. Penney, and knowing my mom was probably shopping, I just like got down on the floor and started playing, and saw the little button that's under the little plastic thing, and pressed it, and the escalator stopped, and I got in big trouble. Oh, well. 
What, because you're a child of curiosity? Yeah, because I want to find out about how this crazy world works. You were like a little gremlin there. I was. You went in and was like, bam, 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 bam. <laughs> what if you made it go super speed? I'm a widow stinker. <laughs> Shoots people off it. Um, the uh, uh, So that little, oh, it is funny um, now, post, post-COVID, horror movies will have scary movies in other ways. Like... When Cameron's just like walking through, and he like sneezes in his hand. Oh and yeah! And he goes and picks up some stranger's food. I was like, yeah. "What are you doing? You're crazy!" Not that pre-COVID, I would eat strangers' foods and <laughs> sneeze in my hand, not think about it. But I like would. now, it's um, and then <laughs> when he listens to those women's thoughts, have you watched any of the "Look Who's Talking" sequels? <laughs> There's this thing that happens in them that is so weird. I don't know if they just had limited footage with the kids, but the kids will be flapping their mouths and they're adding the thoughts. The celebrities like funny Bruce Willis and Roseanne Barr's voices over while the kids are talking. It's really annoying and doesn't make sense, but it scatters. There's a part where like he's supposed to be hearing, but it just seems like he's eavesdropping. Like the woman's mouth is going like, He's so gross. Oh, Get him over there. I don't like, think I even realized because that you don't understand that completely yet. Right. I don't that, think I realized that that wasn't her just talking. Yeah. Oh. I th- I think it is just her talking. But, but I, I guess think we're supposed to think it's supposed to be like he can pick up on what it's like. I think she's openly saying yeah. that. <laughs> it does make you think that, yeah, you can't really read someone's mind when someone's speaking. They don't typically have a second thought going on. They can intermittently, but not as they're speaking. Yeah. They're probably thinking, like, I'm thinking the thoughts of what I'm saying right now, but I also just thought of right. Mario Brothers. Yes. Uh, you're getting at something. Have you thought before, like, movies have never really been able to tackle that? Tackle? The, like, idea that we can have two thoughts. Yeah. It's just like... Uh, I've never read the Ulysses. I, I haven't either. But I, I think that's a little bit what's trying to tackle oh. is how our consciousness unfolds and works. Hmm. But I think movies could be. I read an interview with um, who's uh, being John Malkovich, Charlie Kaufman, mm-hmm. where he said he tried to write a script once that was about how our thoughts oh, wow. split and work. And I, I wish somebody could figure it out because it is. The experience of life. You're constantly just like in a moment, you're thinking about the moment, you're outside the moment, you're... It's literally subtextual because your thoughts exist prior to them becoming uh, attached to language. So the language part, the cognitive part is second to the feeling that you understand intrinsically. So that is almost literally impossible to convey outside of another brain. I think so. It's probably somebody would have done it by now if they could. Yeah. But it... Oh, I the, have. The, the fact that you were saying text and subtext, though, it gets a little bit at what movies can do. Yeah. You can have music suggest an additional thought. I mean, it's my favorite type of scoring where it's not just telling you exactly what hmm. the thing is on screen. It's also like adding another component to your experience of it. But yeah. I don't know. Scanners could have done it. Scanners. You could have figured out a way to. I mean, the thing that the closest came that I thought was awesome was. Um, when the uh, 
psychoplasmic guy is like dying. <laughs> and as he's like dying, he's scanning his like consciousness as it's fading, mm. but he's getting exposition from it. Yeah. It's kind of like, I wish every movie, the way you got exposition was scanning somebody who's dying. I know. That was interesting. That was truly interesting, <laughs> especially coming from neck giblets. <laughs> So let's talk about this head explosion scanning scene. Yes. The most famous scene. The most famous scene. I was so into this movie at this point, even prior to the head exploding, just because just the like physical gymnastics between Michael Ironsides and this other guy, just the way they're cutting back and forth and they're almost like up, upping the ante towards it. It's almost like a an acting off. Yeah. Or something, but in such a pleasant way. And then that head explosion. Yeah. It's it's everywhere in every gif and everything, but learning that that was a prosthetic with dog food and, and hamburger. And hamburger, and that they shot it with a shotgun from behind. I, I maybe I had heard that before and forgotten, but when I heard that, I found out after when I was watching the scene, I wasn't thinking about it being a shotgun. But that makes so much more sense because otherwise it would have to be a pyrotechnic and you'd see a flash and smoke. They must have like shot the shotgun from like uh, beneath upwards so you don't see the flash or something, but... Okay, so yeah, the behind wasn't like behind behind because then it would just like the bullet would go like... It's right into the camera. The into the yeah, camera. I think it was probably shot upwards. And he told people to like get in their cars... And get protect themselves, right? Like before the guy shot it, it was like, okay, okay, everybody. Oh, really? Yeah. Like go outside in the studio and go. Yeah, or just make sure you like hide behind something because oh, there's wow. gonna be like, uh, um, what's that called? Buckshot. Uh, uh ammunition. Going yeah. Off. Yeah. Um, which is like, yeah, wild. I mean, yeah, I never thought about it. It must be why it's so amazing to look at because it's not, um, there's no flash. There's no, no wire. There's yeah. no, and there's also like just a definitive back flap that folds down and is just, is flesh on one side thick and then covered with like viscera on the other side. That seems so real. I never thought about this, but I have a true belief when I saw it last night, when I, or two nights ago when I watched it for the first time, that black flap, is so zapruder Oh, yeah, yeah. And I started thinking about it. I was like, when I had that thought, I was like, this seems like the Zapruder. Then I realized it unfolds then like after Dallas. Like the police that go start chasing after Michael Ironside and like, you did this. Like, I didn't do this. Like, no, you're coming with us. It's like, it's like he's like Oswald. Where yeah. He's like, we all know he probably did it. Yeah. Like they're fighting the guy who did, but, uh, 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 um, but I did think, you know, a lot of people say the Kennedy assassination is the point where things, you know, the century kind of pivoted. Yeah. And like, I had read that, some people read this movie as late 70s, early 80s. The hippies were like, it's done. Corporize, uh, corporations are coming down. They're plucking like the freaks and the weirdos to work for them. And this kind of like culture we had is now going away. Mm -hmm. I like 
after I read that reading of the movie afterwards, I did kind of think like, oh, is this some weird like exploring the trauma for weirdos after the Kennedy assassination. <laughs> no, that was like, wow. uh, <laughs> it, it just seems so Zapruder-y. Yeah. Having a head explode like that. Yeah. I could be wrong. No, I, 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 that definitely feels that way, especially from that movie that at least visually, whether they intended it to be that way or not, because I don't think you can control a shotgun blast, but it's going to do something similar to a head wound. Oh, it, yeah. it's a gun blast on a head. Yeah. Yeah. I know, and it opens just... up kind of, and that's not to be gross. Do you think, is that slow-mo, the scanners? I think it's not like full slow-mo, but yeah, definitely had to be slowed down a little bit. Yeah. I like to, because you're not told much in the beginning, especially knowing knowing now that the scenes were rearranged, like especially when mm-hmm. Cameron's strapped down in that bed and people are coming in. You don't even know what the context of that is until deeper into the movie. Same with this opening scene. You know a little bit more. It's a seminar and this guy has volunteered to come down. Yeah. Um, but it is a pretty cool revelation to find out that Michael Ironside is leading this group of evil scanners and that you find out his mission is to kill the people that have not joined him. So obviously this guy who's doing the seminar was kind of a good guy who didn't want to be part of something bad. Oh, that's good. And he was killed for that reason. Yeah. I definitely noted, like I loved his kind of like, um, magicians volunteer kind of like me yeah oh i guess i could go yeah. up if you want me to like yeah. that sort of act i've never been in a stunt show before sure <laughs> I'll, I'll walk up on this balcony yeah yeah i know somebody got up there the guy said uh you remind me of dirty Harry because you're dirty and hairy <laughs> but yeah when, oh i watched that stunt show on the patreon that you put up dude so funny isn't that guy hilarious yes his timing is just and it is, you're right, there's like a quality that's like effeminate, but I think you also said this, that it's like a quality of like, it's more like he's childlike. Yeah. And it's really funny. And you can hear kids laugh because I feel like it's kids going, well, he's like being a little kid up there like oh. me. Like his voice is so. Like when he spits all his teeth out and the guy goes, are you done? He goes, well, I don't have any more. These are all my baby teeth. He really is like a Warner Brothers character oh, from a cartoon. It's beautiful. It's I have perfect. since watched that thing probably three or four more times. I Everybody has to. If you want to feel good yeah. about life in this world. Uh, but uh, why was I talking about that guy? Uh, uh, I don't know. But oh, I, we were talking about, uh, oh, oh, how, yes, his plan is to go and blow up that, that guy's head. I like that. Yeah, because yeah, they've all kind of infiltrated there right to yeah. to get the, the the scanners that they think are like sellouts or something or yeah yeah <laughs> or that just aren't joining the cause to like take over what they call the normals that's funny they use that term in this too i know it, it's like um you know when i stepped out of the new art like my first month of living in la the first time i went to the new art theater was to see the brown bunny which mm. is like it, a really odd movie i've never seen it um just like 15 minute sequences of a guy going around on a racetrack unbroken jesus like weird stuff yeah. and then it ends with like a famous like fellatio yeah, scene. heard about um, that um or uh and uh we saw that we were stepping out of the new art it was at a q a with vincent gallo that became heated 
where somebody asked the question and was like, what was that? <laughs> that was their question. <laughs> and they threw up their hand. When they said that, they threw their hand at the screen. They went, what was that? They were so mad. And we're walking out of this Q&A, just kind of like dazed. Crazy movie, crazy Q&A, crazy Vincent Gallo. We walk out and people are waiting in line for Rocky Horror Show. Picture uh -huh. show. And what, I hear somebody go, make room for the normies. Oh! Like, we ain't normies! <laughs> what we just experienced was not normie. Also, just that level of condescension from... from <laughs> Wait a minute. Somebody who's done this for 28 weeks. Uh, yeah. And dresses like everybody else dresses. At the, I'm making the point of like, you know, punkers are actually conformists too, but <laughs> Oh my God. On. Wait, so what was Vincent Gallo's reaction to that guy? Uh, well, I think the guy said, why did you put that in, that last scene in? What was that? And Vincent Gallo responded to the part of that part in. He's like, I didn't put that scene in it wasn't just a movie and then i put that scene in meaning like the fellatio scene he was like the movie was building up to that scene man you know something like that oh boy wow uh slight spoilers for the brown bunny but um so advance 30 seconds if you want it's later found out that um it was a ghost it wasn't a woman the woman wasn't really there or something. Oh, really? I, yeah, but it's funny because then it's like <laughs> the scene in Ghostbusters. <laughs> Dan <Hager> right? <laughs> Brown Bunny is a remake of Ghostbusters. It's all there. <laughs> Figure it out. If Vincent Gallo had just crossed his eyes, it would have been perfect. Okay. Yes. It's 1981. And Patrick McGowan is still rolling his R's. What human, and I know they're most likely to be British, but people haven't rolled their R's since 40s at the latest? The 40s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ephemeral. Who's the classic, most classic R roller do you think who ever lived? I think it would be like, the stereotypical German mad scientist of like very <laughs> yes. interesting. Although that's a different type of R roll. That's like a glottal thing. Like, but the R. Oh, the like Freud. Doctor. Yeah. He, he seems to be possessing. Uh, I'm trying to get an R in there. He's a representing. Yeah. He's. He has a reprehensible. <laughs> he's past trauma. Trauma. But McGowan is like. I should go to the Roman ruins. <laughs> he really was that does. like a proper way to say R's at one point? Or it was, it, I don't even know if it's real, but it was definitely in, in film and theater, a kind of like upper crust sort of British thing of really very resourceful. My favorite baseball player is Roly Fingers. <laughs> Rolling on a river. Rolling. Rolling on a river. Rolling on a river. I will buy a Reading Railroad for $300. There's something, I think it adds to an Irish lilt, too, a good rolling R, right? Does it? Like, I, I imagine, like, a leprechaun going, like, 
or do do Irish? You're Irish. Yeah, but I I mean I'm trying do to you think. Have family members who roll their heart. <laughs> I don't think so. So if you're doing Irish, I, I'm oh, trying, Irish. To, th- trying no, to think if let's say I'm going to Dublin or up to Derry. No, I don't no, think I don't think so. Don't, it's a yeah. real British thing. To roll your R's is a. But uh, it's like 1981. Maybe that guy um, in uh, American Werewolf who ordered the Guinness would have oh, rolled yeah. his R's. I thought he was in this for a second. There's that one guy driving a car just briefly that I dies. One of the um, the guy who's trying to shoot and assassinate uh, Cameron at one point in this movie. I thought he was the guy who didn't hit the dartboard. <laughs> Um, pretty cool the uh, brood connection I also thought was with the doctor uh, Ruth that he's he is kind of like the Oliver um, uh, Reed character where reverse yes it is reverse Oliver Reed you think he's a bad doctor but then by the end you see he's trying to do good thing this time you think oh it's a doctor just trying to do the right thing but he's actually at the end sinister son of a bitch so he's an Oliver Reed in diverse story because he's a dear Ravole oh my god he's (laughs) he's Reed Oliver yes and Dr. Ruth Reed Oliver Dr. Ruth I like that concept headquarters. Yeah, all the buildings in this movie yeah. are so good. Cronenberg's really got a knack for picking buildings. The architecture. Yeah. Yeah. Um whatever. This is the first thought I had when you said that. But it is interesting that like yeah, clearly he's interested in the body and how our bodies, but like I feel that in a way you could think about that with architecture. It's kind of like how do we what do we do with architecture to like suggest something or like it's a thing we can control um mm. but the uh uh ooh, it smells like somebody next door like lit a cigarette yeah i smell i love it i do too i love the smell I sometimes our neighbors smoke weed and it smells real good i miss it yeah um i have fun did your dad smoke cigarettes very briefly but my grandma did a lot so i have a real fondness for secondhand smoke my grandma did too and i have a fondness for that reason but Oh man, to wake up early I also morning. Have a fondness for emphysema. <laughs> to wake up early mornings to go fishing with my dad. Oh. And we're driving and I'm like eating Hardy's breakfast mm. while he's like smoking a cigarette in the car. It's like the best smells and oh, the yeah. vibes. Yeah. It's perfect. Um but the um Oh, when the guru goes and brings a Cameron in and like ties him to the not a guru, the priest kinda was the doctor. Doctor Ruth? Yeah. Uh, he's the one who brings the people in, yeah. right? Um, when Cameron's just like in the bed and he's like writhing, hearing everybody's thoughts and opinions and voices and mm-hmm. stuff, I was like, oh, that's how I feel at the end of the day after Twitter. I know. I'm just like, shut up, shut up, yeah. shut up. I can't, I can't. <laughs> oh God, I'm that, I'm that voices. way even without Twitter sometimes. My own, like there's 40 me's talking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I wow. remember when I was like 12 once, I was like going, and I was like, you're giving yourself a headache. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God. You self-diagnosed. <laughs> it's impressive. I did like the thing we got to last week a little bit where we each talked about our anxieties a little oh, bit. Yeah. Go for it. Well, it's just like, I, I hear you when you're saying like you the voices in your head, um, like 
uh, that that's the experience of anxiety sometimes. Yeah, it's like a cross between. Well, at night I really feel that because that's when there's no stimulus coming in my really my ears or my eyes. Mm-hmm. So all that's left is that dark place of my brain. Oh, I never thought about that's how thoughts work at night. Is and like then, yeah. You're not- and then when I do have input coming in my senses, I feel it in my chest. Mm-hmm. Like even right now, I, I have I always have low level anxiety these days where I never used to. I don't do know. Do you what feel it other is. feelings in your chest outside of anxiety? <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? Like, well, I like I remember in high school and I was like just so emoed out and just feeling things oh. so hard. I remember reading uh, Anna Karenina. Uh huh. Yeah, Karenina. And there's scenes, there's descriptions in there that express love. And I remember I'd have to book the book down and feel the warmth in my heart of like, wow, I am feeling love right now. And I do, um, truth be told, I feel it. Okay. Uh, I felt it, uh, with my wife, Leslie, when we've met. Oh yeah. Uh, certainly. And then I now feel it with our daughter too. I feel it with my wife and daughter today, presently to this day. Yes, certainly I do as well. I, I guess on a, yeah, there, those are specific moments and and there can be specific moments of acute anxiety and acute love, um, joy, happiness, and things mm-hmm. like that. But I do have an underlying anxiety that is, seems to be constant the past few years, and I don't fully understand it. I'm the same, man. Yeah. And I feel it, the description for me is like it's like the hum of like a fridge. Yeah. Like it's always, you kind of yeah. ignore it. There's a point at some point where... It's always on. Yeah. It's just like the amount of like you're going like listening or I don't know. And the the cruelest joke of all this to me is that when it goes away, you don't know it. And you only know it till it comes back and you go, shit, why didn't I appreciate yes. the last two weeks? And just for the first time the other day, I said to Amanda, I went, I just want to note that I'm not feeling anxiety right now. And I never get to recognize that when it that when it happens. And then later that afternoon, everything came back. It's almost like I shouldn't have invoked the acknowledgement it. Yeah. of it. It's a cruel, weird little yeah. psychological game. You don't even know you're playing with yourself or something. I don't know. Yeah, and and to underline the moment, a moment of bliss. Does that automatically uh, pull you out of it? I was thinking about it yesterday with music. Just that how. Um, whatever the zone is, is like a moment where you get outside your head and don't, I, I, I'm not thinking anything outside of bliss. Yeah. And the movies do that. And then yeah. if I'm a la- not all movies and maybe only like a scene in a single movie will get me out of my head. Um, and then laughing. Yeah. Oh boy. This is truly a part of my week that, delivers me from oh, it. I was going to say that too. Yeah. Talking uh in addition to watching movies, talking about movies with friends is a point where um feeling and intellectual like thought can somehow coexist and it yeah. feels good. Yeah. I wonder if part of the reason we love movies so much for me movies exist outside of my own emotions. They are able to give me emotions, mm-hmm. but they're never the cause they're they're a vacation from my own emotions, and I just yeah. I love that about them. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, I think, or when I look in retrospect of how I would just put on Last Crusade, 
watch it to the end, let the tape rewind and watch Last yeah. Crusade again. That is like, I like that this thing is giving me yeah. pleasure and I'm not feeling anxiety right now. Yeah. Or it's a, the feelings I'm getting are good feelings. I get to like watch a crack in the earth and somebody slide down and stop <laughs> themselves from falling to the crash. Junior. Yeah. <laughs> what I can't figure out, and this is my little path I have to go on is I truly can't. Am I having anxiety because of things happening? Like I've had some work anxiety or am I having anxiety and I'm attaching it to the biggest issue I can find to make sense of that anxiety. And I just don't know which is which and I'm too close to see it. And that's yeah. my weird conundrum right it's funny, now. Funny, a couple, I'd say a week and a half ago in therapy, I was talking about. You said that so sexy. <laughs> well, I see Dr. Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> the sex one or this guy? Both. They Paula Rust. Okay. Uh, oh, she rolls her R's too. Yeah, so that's Dr. Ruth. Yeah, wow. Sorry. She's Go the on. doctor who rolls her R's, not Freud. I yeah. Uh, or no, Freud does too, as we figured out. Uh, what was it? Just no, what was I saying? When you were in therapy. Oh, yeah. It was uh, a question I've asked before in therapy. It's just like, what's the ideal here? Yeah. Is it that I figured out my life that it doesn't have stresses, or is it that I'm meeting life? And stresses, and I think it is the latter. If I had to guess, which which what is you, what one? you said, the latter of what you said, which is like, I'm finding the biggest stress. I just feel anxiety, and my anxiety attaches it to the experiences I have in life. I think uh, seems to be what I how I experience it. Yeah, is like in therapy, it, it has been like a oh. Therapy isn't going to get rid of the anxiety. It's like accepting I have it. Understanding and what it. happens when I feel anxiety. What do I do with it? I see. I'm not torn. just anxiety. Anger, Gorley. Oh, anger, yeah. Anger, my friend. Oh, anger, my friend. Yes, he said it it's also smile. anger. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the other like feeling that I'm like, oh, yeah. pushing around and not letting myself feel. I see. Interesting. Yeah. I... I just typically, the majority of my life didn't carry anxiety with me. And then I had a really bad bout, but that truly was situational. And so I can't tell this time what it is, but I will say this getting back to scanners that yeah. yesterday when I put this movie on in the afternoon, it's a time when I put my phone away, I get out my little notebook that I keep for this thing. And it's a strange little safe place to just go for the next two hours. Yeah. I'm not checking my phone. Nothing's going to get me. I, yeah. All I have to do is enjoy this movie. It is funny that this movie kind of is an allegory for anxiety. Yeah. But that I found kind of strangely therapeutic. Yeah. And also that question of sort of like, um, are you born with it? Can you get rid of it? Yeah. Is also kind of in Scanners too. Or can too. you control it? It's like how it. the brothers sort of, the divide they have. Yeah. It's like how, what you do with it. And then the scary twist of this being the thing you think that controls it is actually the thing that caused it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Which that was trying to remind me of something in a movie. What is the, when has that been the case before? Where maybe it's just real life with like warfare and drugs mm. a lot of times. Like a weapon gets created to kind of solve a pro, like we'll, we'll drop the atom bomb. Yeah. And they're like, fuck, 
The Cold War. Now we got everybody's going to know yeah. about this. Yeah. Uh, just the Cold War is so funny to me, by the way, that like. Who's the only country who's ever dropped an atom bomb on another country? Us. Us. Then we spend the next rest of the century worried somebody's going to do that to us. It is so the case of a guy yeah. who goes up on somebody at the schoolyard and punches somebody in the nuts and then spends the rest of the school be like, who's going to punch you in the nuts? <laughs> I know. It's like, you did, dude. Nobody else did. <laughs> you invented punching in the nuts. <laughs> I know. That's really interesting. I always wonder about that with the Cold War and how much we were taught the Russians were bad guys. And I especially remember it as a kid. I remember the duck and cover drills and the nuclear fear. And then it wasn't until like, and then you stop thinking about it because a detente and everything thawed. But then it wasn't until I started listening to Billy Bragg, who was like, you know, <laughs> the Russians love their children too, and they don't want yeah. a nuclear bomb. And it was just so simple that you just went, oh, yeah, this is all bullshit it's all marketing it was weird <laughs> yeah where you're just like whatever the opposite or the like uh like component version of me and my family in russia is they feel the same way we do yeah i know that i'm not no like uh, that's so this true. is no grand no 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 revelation it, it is but. the big lever that people just have to pull anytime you start otherizing somebody yeah. the one i i always it's not the they love their children too it's the they want their families to be happy too is is the yeah. lever I pull yeah. for the like when I start to like demonize a country or a group or a people or a line of thought I just go what the you're crazy man yeah. they just want to be happy like you uh, you know it's a weird thought experiment could you do that with the devil or Hitler could you ever find sympathy for Hitler well the Rolling Stones had that song sympathy for Hitler <laughs> right <laughs> yeah uh yeah, what's that, um, uh, the quote, the Jean Renoir, I think it's like Rules of the Game, everybody has their reasons. Yeah. That's a, also a big therapy thing, too. I mean, you know better therapy, it's just like the, like, n nobody's thinking about you as much as you yourself is thinking about you. Is like yeah. A, and then the other is the, like, when you think somebody's going out of their way to be an asshole towards you, and you just go, oh, they have their own. Yeah, it's probably more about them. Their own reasons for why they're a prick. <laughs> yeah. It's time we gave Hitler a break. <laughs> it's funny, though, when you mentioned that she was born in Rio, de, uh, Jennifer O'Neill in Rio de Janeiro. Oh. Was like, boys from Brazil? Was her dad like Oh, a, man. <laughs> Nazi war criminal? <laughs> um, the... Um, So, oh, when when the head explosion thing happens. Also, it's funny. Scanners is one of those movies. It's like one of those things where... Um, also, I just wish we could get back to the halcyon days of the Cold War where the, our country was united and hating what they, we didn't hate each other. I know. So, It'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was an upside. I mean, it's slightly facetious. But, uh, yeah. But the, uh, um, I was going to say, this is like one of those scenes in a movie where you can fully know the scene, know, know about the scene before you ever get an opportunity to see the movie. Like, yeah. you'll hear the joke about it in Wayne's World before you see Scanners. Yeah. Um, and it, I'm trying to think of other scenes like that in movies when I get to it. Oh, we've talked about it a little bit before, but just like Chinatown or something when the like, she's my daughter, like yeah. when that happens, it just kind of hits you different because you didn't, know the context of how it was going to come out or the emotions before or after it. Rosebud. 
Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but and then the gif of the head explosion. Yeah. Like so, it takes anytime you see that, it takes a little bit away of the power of that. I sent you texts yesterday saying, see you tomorrow at 10. And I searched the text library for scanners and there were two separate versions of the moment leading up to the head explosion of just Michael Ironside and that other guy just kind of shaking and convulsing. But the only head explosion one I could find was the head exploding and then someone had superimposed a bunch of pizza slices (laughs) coming out of the That was good. I would have sent the original, but does, I couldn't even find it. <laughs> the only one that exists is the piece is like the special editions of Star Wars <laughs> or David Cronenberg. It's always the pizza slices. Oh my God, Cronenberg won't have it. He won't allow it. He's got to have the pizza in there. He just he started loving pizza around '98, and he went back and did a whole new version of it. And then he replaced all the guns with walkie talkies. Uh, you know who is also really into pizza. Um, Darren Aronofsky when he made pie. <laughs> okay, okay, come on. Uh, <laughs> the uh, when your moon hits your I like a big pizza pie. Oh, that's that's more, eh? Aronofsky. No. <laughs> uh, they have that meeting where he says. We're no longer using dolphins and freaks for espionage. Was he talking about like Day of the Dolphin? I think and stuff? that's, I wonder that too. I know. Um, and he says there's 236 known scanners mm-hmm. who have left the program. Um, uh, I would have rather seen a movie where they are hunting down all the scanners, you know? Yeah. Like there's like maybe like bounty hunter. 18 left and they're like, gotta go get them, you know? You gotta get Deckard. Like this, yeah, this yeah. could be a universe of films you could really explore, you know? Yeah, and there's been a bunch of sequels, right? But I've never... Oh, really? Delved. No remake, but there's been sequels. Oh, yeah, so that's interesting. Hmm. What if he's like, David Cronenberg's like, oh, well, sequels are entirely different. Yeah, that's fine. They're just building off... Um, ooh, it might be time for a David Cronen uh, P. Perfectly said. Okay, thank we'll you. be right back. With and rest. With and rest. We're back now, Gorley. I remembered something. What? Um, uh, I I have just a, a quick um, uh, a, a new sync up. If people want to do a new sync. Oh, I, I think your uh, Temple of Doom one was a big hit with people. I, people did it and they seemed to like it. Yeah. Now, I was trying to think of Gourley with this one. Oh, my God. Now, it doesn't mean you have to do it. Or maybe I should say I was more trying to think of the podcast okay. with this. In terms of scary movie and easy listening. Okay. And I did it. What? Okay. It's Halloween. The movie. It's the movie Halloween. Oh. And it's with... Just an easy listening classic, uh, beyond easy listening. Uh, Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. Oh my god, if you start <laughs> songs in the key of life when Mustafa Akkad presents <laughs> Goes to Black, these, these words have never been said in human history before. <laughs> now they are. <laughs> when Mustafa Akkad presents Goes to Black, before. The pumpkin comes up. 
So as soon as Mustafa Akkad goes to black and fades out, hit play on Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Key of Life. That's all you got to do. The whole album perfectly syncs up. Really? How much do you test this so that you know exactly where to start? Now, I want people to know, yeah, I took some time, like... Not to say it's perfect. I picture not you in a lab good. coat with goggles and you're kind of like in laboratory conditions. Test tubes yeah. and beakers. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I took different shots. I tried different things and finally that one was the one that... But worked. what made you even think of that? Because is superstition on there? Um, no. No. What am I thinking of? Uh, 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 Sir Duke is on there. Is that the first? What's th- I wish. Uh, the first song is... Love's in need of love today. Where does Sir Duke come in in the movie? Sir Duke is uh, in the movie halfway in. Like what's going? Oh on no no in the no! Movie? Oh oh um. Gosh, what was it? I forget what part. Sorry, I love Sir Duke. Oh, it's good. Yeah, uh, um, but uh, yeah, if you want to do that, it's it's a it's a good time. Okay, I love okay. it. But let me ask you this. The album stops at some point, and then the movie just plays on? The album stops when Michael Myers hits the ground. You're kidding me. That's how long that album is? Yeah. It's 80 minutes, 85 minutes long. Paul, oh my God, I got to try that. (laughs) It's a long album. You don't have to do the whole thing. You could just, you don't even have to try it. I'm just saying you as in the royal. Especially around Halloween, I might might pull some time aside uh but the opening track yeah is perfectly goes with the opening and stuff it's good it's good oh i hope i hope people like it i feel like these these are little gems i mean anytime you want to reveal these things i think people are going to eat it up yeah i'm fascinated by this um well what's crazy too is that stevie wonder would even be able to write and have it sync up with a movie that would come out a few years after he wrote the album it's that's why he's called a visionary. Yes. It's, I mean, cause like, you know, Weezer obviously did that, but they had years, yeah. a decade or two to right. watch Temple of Doom before they scored it with their new music. Mm-hmm. But Stevie Wonder, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. He's, well, we know Stevie Wonder's more talented than Weezer. That's true. And everybody gives Pink Floyd so much credit for the Wizard of Oz thing, but they had so much time. Many to decades. Work on that. Yeah. Weezer had one decade yeah. to really get there. <laughs> And Stevie Wonder had minus two years? Uh, yeah. My God. Wow. Unless he got a real advanced copy of the script or something. I don't know. John Garberton was like, Stevie, I want you to watch this. It's not coming out for a couple of years, but. Well, um, when neck giblets get shot, are, yes. we, are we to that point? Yeah. They are the worst shots. They have shotguns. Shotguns, it's really easy to hit someone with a shotgun. Yeah. They are Nowhere near getting him half the time. It's incredible. I have to imagine it's just them going like, looks pretty cool when we hit the plaster, huh? Yeah, it has to be. Like, let's not even aim for yeah. him anymore. Let's just hit this cool plaster. Yeah. You know what's crazy is the guy who plays Cameron, He in real life, he had a degree in psychology oh. and sculpture. Really? Maybe that's why he was cast. He wasn't an actor. Because I think he went on to just be a painter. Oh, yeah. Do you think he got there and he was like, um, could use a little more ceramics? <laughs> yeah. That's his, that's his diagnosis. Uh, <laughs> Nothing about the artistry. Just 
Could use a little bit more of the media that this was done at. <laughs> <laughs> and then they sit in that ear, that yeah, head. I yeah, like that, that head was cool. Yeah. Oh, you know what I was talking about? A little bit of the thinness of this character. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a piece of dialogue that Benjamin <laughs> says. <laughs> Benjamin. My art keeps me sane. My art sane. <laughs> Oh. I will say this though. Add another one to the Hall of Fame of down jackets and vests getting shot. He's wearing a, a down vest when he gets squibbed. Right. So American Werewolf in London and Red Dawn and Fargo. Fargo. And this. Yeah. Squ- uh, what, what do we call the um, squib puff? Uh, puffy uh, feather squibs? Puff. Yeah. Down Par- jacket. Par- parka. Parka Puffs. I'm going to make a letterbox list of this. In fact, yes. I'm going to write that down. Thank you. Yeah. Letterbox is a really good place for when you want lists of certain things. Yep. All right. Now I'm running a list on any movie that has that title convention of like the Parallax View, the Anderson Tape, yeah. the Ipcris Files. And then I started one of movies that have people living in their houses and they don't know it. But that one's a little too ambiguous because sometimes people know it and sometimes they don't. So I've kind of given up on so that one. What, that's Parasite, Parasite and Bad Ronald. Bad Ronald, People Under the Stairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but there's a lot that's like a lot of gray area in there, more than you'd think. <laughs> you want you want that category to be a little bit more black and white. It's oh, um, The Boy? It was a horror yeah. movie I watched that has. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my art keeps me sane. My art <laughs> sane. Uh, now, very Star Warsy. The 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 bad shots. That's like the Star Trooper, Stormtroopers with the bad shots. Yeah. But then it gets a little Jedi with the using your mind to throw things around. I thought that too. Like it does. It does feel like Jedi's. Um, I mean, that's when he does the really corny thing where he's like throwing his head around with swift turns and throwing people into things. And it threw me because I, up to this point, understand that you can like mess with people's brains and like melt them inside, but they were full on getting thrown back. So they, we truly are talking telekinesis here, not just mind reading. Yeah. Um, and also my uh, sister, Amy Rust, uh, uh, a writer about film, yeah, film theorist. Uh, she pointed out just like the to me once, just the glut from mid seventies to mid eighties telekinesis stuff. It is basically in every movie we watched growing up. Oh, think about how many times people use their brain to move something. Like it's in ET. It's all over Star Wars. It's um, Friday the Thirteenth. New new beginning. Wait, Friday Thirteenth, the new beginning or New Blood? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. Um, there are many more examples, but I won't get into it. Carrie, Carrie, um, um. Tucker, a man in his dream. <laughs> <laughs> the documentary "Looking for Sugar Man," <laughs> searching for Sugar Man. I don't know what I'm talking. About. Uh, now, there's a part they go to a hotel. I thought maybe David Cronenberg was doing a cameo as the hotel clerk, but I don't think it was. Oh it. yeah. Uh, and then 
the henchmen come in and they set everything on fire. I thought that was very American werewolfy. Yeah. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, and there was a weird stunt where somebody gets thrown against the wall and the a fire outline of their body was already on the wall. Yeah, you can tell that that was how he was going to get ignited. Like it was almost like a squib in a wall, but like a fire squib or something. A fire squib in the wall. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit when you're a kid and you watch a cartoon and somebody walks over to like a dresser. And the drawer of the dresser is a different color than the rest of the background. And you're like, well, I know they're going to open that drawer. Oh, yeah. And they yeah. open the drawer. You're like, yeah, yeah. of course. It's, it's a different color. Difference between watercolor and cell painting. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? Wait, did you say cartoon? Oh, watercolor and cell painting. Yeah. I see what you meant. Oh, it's the difference between the cell. See, yeah. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's just I, sometimes too, because, you know, it's embarrassing, but I, I am so into squibs that I can sometimes spot them before they, be, like, even if it's a surprise that someone's going to be shot. Does it, so it will ruin a seizure. Like, kind I know of. this person's going to get it. Yeah. Like I could spot the squib in the leg of Mr. White at the end of Casino Royale before he gets shot. Turns out was uh, what I was actually spotting was the knee pad, but I spotted the knee pad enough and then a squib went off. Um, the, the waitress in Maximum Overdrive, though, that one's so obvious. Like She's like basically wearing like an umpire's guard under her. It's crazy. Um, oh, I watched Kentucky Fried Movie the other day. Oh, he did? And when that girl's doing the horoscope and she gets shot, you know, Jim and I expect the unexpected and gets shot with an arrow, I could see the pad where the arrow was going to hit. <laughs> I just got squibbed, Dar. What can I say? It's good. Well, it, um, I would worry about the, 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 the spoil potential, the spoiler potential of that. Yeah, it is It is a, to a have bit of gift. a curse that I carry yeah. with me. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess pray for me. <laughs> I've thought about it when you're watching a movie and you see the little reel change go up in the corner. I'm yeah. Like, now I know the scene's going to end soon. Yeah. Now I know that. That's this right. This yeah. action is building to something. I'm not surprised <laughs> that they left the scene. I, I try. To, oh, also, there's a scene where they go up on the roof on Die, on Die Hard before the helicopter shoots down on him and you can see the- um, Charges? All the charges wired out on the roof because like they couldn't, put them in the helicopter pad plaster because it was the real building. So there's just exposed wires all out there. Smart. Yeah. They didn't want to... <laughs> little power tool action. Um, have you been to the Die Hard building? Yeah. I've never been inside it. I Is it a thing of beauty? <laughs> I don't know if I got inside because I feel like when I went it was right after the movie and they were kind of like, oh, another one of this guy. <laughs> If I had a dime for every 18-year-old or whatever, whatever age, I, I guess I was 16, 17. Perfect age to see. Die, you're, you get to buy tickets for R-rated movies, and that's your R-rated movie? I know. Only I never saw that in the theater. I saw it on VHS, so uh, I must have been 17. Back when R was R. Yeah. And you could roll your... Yeah. It's R-rated. <laughs> Excuse me, David Cronenberg. <laughs> Is this... An R-rated movie? Certainly. Um, then they uh, they crash through a disco mart. I I think it's disco mat, like laundromat. <laughs> oh my god! Because I wrote it in my disco mat. Isn't You're that right. a great name for a store? Yes, that rivals licorice pizza. And it's also got disc and disco. Yeah, disc. Like line O line mat. Yeah. Like laundromat. 
disc, disco now, mat. When they crashed in there, did you see the contest sign that was up? It was, no. guess how many records in this bin was like a contest. And I was like, that is the old timiest tiny thing that is not around anymore. Yeah. Guess how many jelly beans are in this jar? Yeah. It's the I best. I know. What would be a modern good version of that? Would how many like- micro bits are in this gigabyte? <laughs> <laughs> micro bits <laughs> all, all perfect terminology there um, and then I just um, I, I also thought maybe the reason they were the scanners were crashing into that music place is because like they're like we have to deal with noise all the time people's thoughts but the greatest noise of them all is those rock and roll records <laughs> I liked when they're walking around in the back area there in the hallway because it was like, God, I bet it's really cool to like walk around the back of a music store because there was oh, all these yeah. old posters and oh, stuff yeah. up. But it got me thinking, in general, in life, when you get to go into the back area of any kind of place, it's always like, whoa. It always feels special. Yeah. I used to spend so much time back, this is their terminology, not mine, backstage at Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was interesting. It was always interesting because- California Adventure was all new and very much like an office park, but Disneyland was cobbled together over years. So there was like a big, it was, this is also not my terminology, but it was known by all employees as the rape tunnel. (laughs) Not, Not that anything ever happened there. It was just this scary, corrugated steel giant tunnel in the back of Frontierland. And you would walk through it often to get to your car and there was always like a little water running through it. So it felt kind of backwoodsy. Why and stuff was water? Like, oh, because of the, like it was dripping? No, it was just like exposed on both sides because it wasn't like connected to buildings. It just <sighs> went, it went underground. And and then there are the tunnels like where, that are like lined by all kinds of pipes and stuff like that. Wow. And that, that was all the Disneyland side, not the California yeah. Adventure because it was just a little older. Yeah. And all the backstage at Disneyland always smells like trash because there's not a lot of backstage space. So that's where a lot of the trash dumpsters are. Oh. And it's just, yeah, it's pretty fascinating. That's so funny that it couldn't be less magical. Yeah, it's the opposite. They really don't work on the tunnels and work on the outs. Like all the, like Cubby Broccoli said about the Bonds films, you know, put all the money on the screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, uh, um, yeah. There's <laughs> probably some metaphor there about how like they also treat their like employees yeah. and their IP. And, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> and there was a bunch of cats at one point. I don't know if I think they maybe controlled that population. What I I, I heard that it was um encouraged because they oh maybe at the night mice, yeah somebody once told me. They're like, oh, at Disneyland at night, cats come out and they let cats kind of run around so they can eat mice and stuff. And I was like, well, they should do a Disney movie about the cats who live at the. And then, and then the person was like, you think Disney wants to do a movie about how there's rats at Disneyland that lets cat eat, and that the cat would be eating Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Mouse. <laughs> Where I always remember the cats because there's this big section backstage that's all a nursery where they kind of grow their own little plants that they replace the like perennial flowers with and stuff like that that are out on Main Street. And uh, the cats are always around there. I re- You know, I, I worked on the for a little bit on the Warner Brothers lot. And I think I remember 
they had cat issues and on the studio tour they talked about it uh, but you would like if i had some time off i would walk around into the facades and yeah. just like hang out in facades oh, yeah. and you would see like three cats just like shitty <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's very unglamorous <laughs> <laughs> smoking cigarettes Talking about their agents. I hated the lingo, though, so much. The backstage, and I was a cast member. Cast member. It just felt so culty, and I remember the first time I got hired there, and someone, I was heading backstage, and they're like, whoa, 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 who are you? And I went, oh, I work here. And they went, you mean you're a cast member? And this wasn't like a security guard. This was like a trolley driver. And I was like, yeah, Uh, but I just work. Either way, we both understand the meaning, right? You know? I just did you ever have this experience where we were at I was at play rehearsal and somebody called it play practice. <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing somebody go, So when's play practice tomorrow or something like that? And they're like, Volleyball teams have practice. Oh. We're actors, we rehearse. Oh, uh, gross. Oh, lingo. Anybody that's like a, a a lingo Nazi can go screw. Yeah, especially when it then it's wrapped up in their um view of themselves. Yeah, yeah. and it that's a hundred percent of the time what it is. <laughs> yes. It makes them feel more professional. And you will get that no other more no more than theater techs and people who work at like lumber yards and and stuff like that. And I get this all the time when I, cause you know, I do a lot of work around the house, but I'm not a professional. So I don't always use the right terms and sometimes on purpose. And they get so mad at me there. I watched Heat recently and Val Kilmer goes to buy the explosives at the beginning. Yeah. And I thought about you going and having to go to the <laughs> oh, carpet. That's right. Places. We talked about this. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you said something different here about it, but oh. just like about how it fits with, um, specifically using terminology to kind of make it highfalutin to make yourself feel better. Yeah. We never talked about that aspect. It was just sort of about like when people get uppity about the words you use. Yeah. Or yeah. But uh, <laughs> I wonder if you would ever go in and try to buy explosives. Maybe they'd think you're a cool. So they'd be like, or they'd be yeah. like, you mean uh, explosivos? <laughs> hey, uh, Rob, Ganal Rob, Ganal Lumber Rob. I'm looking for, I don't know, some C4 with uh, just the thermite detonators. Oh, wait, I used the right terminology. <laughs> well, no, but they would... Finally, they're They like, would go, you mean C4B? Uh, <laughs> the official <laughs> Get a, Come back when you're ready to really blow something up. <laughs> the, uh, would you want to have a real bank heist? <clears throat> um, now, uh, uh, uh... Oh, when they're in the record shop, I saw two posters. One for a band called Herman Brood and his Wild Romance. Herman Brood? Yeah. That's got to be, is that? Oh, maybe by spell correct, spell checked. But, well, it's not a nod to the Brood? No, because oh. it was just a Herman Brood. It is. <laughs> oh, wait. No, he's called Herman Brood, so maybe they did put it in there wow. because of the Brood. I never thought about that. Interesting. Um, and then a, a band called the Atlanta Rhythm Section, otherwise known as ARS. Ooh. That was the logo, ARS. Oh, wow. Um, now, this is kind of when it runs into all that boring plot stuff of yeah. um, 
he, they find out who's an informant, who's the mole, all that stuff. Um, I did like when uh, Daryl and then the mole guy meet at that subway station, that cool yeah. Canadian 70s, 80s. Yeah. That was really, I like that. It's funny that they're hiding Daryl's identity I, I in these scenes when you can so obviously Who tell else would him. it be? Yeah. Yeah, the first time they don't show him at all. And when that scene ended, I was like, why don't they show him? We know who it is. Yeah. And then the and second they, time they did it, they do a big reveal. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's what you thought. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, mole guy's wearing a cool tie at the end. Just a <laughs> like wool plaid knit tie. Pretty great. Uh, a part that I liked that he did was, I think it was the um, the mole um they do a really low budget version of like a key card and a door opening automatically. Like his, they're in the hallway and his hand goes out of frame and you just see him oh, punching, yeah. but it's like, <laughs> he's not punching anything. And if you look later, it's just a door handle. And then the door, like kind of after he does the fake punch, the door just kind of like opens and you can see somebody on the other side just went. <laughs> it's so cute. It's I like boys that. doing pretend around like their house. That's great. So the original version of this, when I was talking about earlier, was called Telepathy 2000. Yes, that was the title I saw. Yeah, yeah that's and good. I guess there's part of Naked Lunch that is kind of similar to this, and that's funny because Cronenberg went on oh, to direct right. Naked Lunch. Right. What's the Naked Lunch? There's like a, oh, I read that. It was like, a, there's just kind of a throwaway line about people who have telekinesis or can read people's minds being used as spies. Yeah. Yeah. Excuse me. Do you, um... Never read Burroughs. I never have. I um, never will. I know gophers do. They don't read it. They just burrow. <laughs> hmm. No. <laughs> there's nothing to think about. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, there was a part where um, when the doctor's having his own like internal thoughts and he's like cracking up. And he's hearing all these different noises. Yeah. <laughs> a dog started barking outside my house. <laughs> I was like, is that? And I paused and the dog kept barking. I was like, oh, I thought he was hearing dog barking. <laughs> I was like, honestly, he doesn't bark at you. He's like, ah, I'm hearing dogs bark. Wow, I'm getting very good at this. <laughs> Rover. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I talked about the gas station guy saying, oh, shit. Yeah. It's funny. I don't have that much. I, yeah, this, I know that there is, like I said, this movie really started strong for me, especially when I realized like that this is honestly not fully a horror film, but it's kind of a sci-fi genre, bureaucratic, slow burn, psycho espionage thriller. <laughs> when I was like within the first half hour getting all of those elements, I just thought like, is this the my perfect movie? Yeah. And sadly it didn't live up to its potential. I think the thing you hit on with the, like, why are they not showing Ironside in this scene? We know it's him. I think is maybe why the middle gets a little, like, boring or something. Because yeah. we're sort of caught up and they're not introducing new ideas or something. Yeah. The scenes just kind of, scenes are unfolding in a way that you'd expect them to, mm -hmm. to make the plot happen. Um, I mean, I, uh, I didn't have much e either. I mean, at the end... Oh, the baby starts scanning her? Yeah, that was interesting. Wasn't that wild? Yeah. And I noticed later, I had to write down, 
what was happening. I wrote down on my notes like, a, and it was like baby and stomach hearing. And then later when they have the scene, she goes, the baby heard me. It was an unborn child. I was like, oh, that's so much more poetic. Like I was thinking if she, if I had written this, she would have been like, a baby heard me. A baby inside a mommy's tummy. <laughs> <laughs> Does the baby not scan its mom? Oh. Yeah, so there's the just baby, a lot the of mom constantly getting scanned by that baby. I know. There's just a lot of minor escalations in this movie that go on um like on um uh, what's the word? Like uh I, I uninterrogated or something or, like uh, yeah uninvestigated yeah. there's a better word god damn it but I, there was always a confusion for oh undeveloped the like the baby <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh, easy <laughs> Mr. Politics uh, I see that as a fully walking around speaking thinking human being at the age of 18 by that point in its mommy's tummy yep <laughs> uh, no uh, but the uh, uh, I I uh uh Yes, because what was I going to say about the uh, the um, the underdeveloped portion of it? Like, was really bothering me with um, I forget the computer stuff. Yeah, yeah, like when he's no, and why couldn't that woman scan the baby? Oh, this is what it was. Yes. When how scanning works in terms of two people and who's getting like the nosebleed and who's getting agitated was never because it seems like sometimes yeah. both people vibrate. It almost just seemed like who was stronger, basically. Okay, yeah. So that baby was stronger than the no shitting. That's the Anakin Skywalker of scanners in there. The midichlorians in that. Oh my god, the midichlorians are off the charts. Hey, what's your midichlorian count these days? <sighs> you know, it was higher when I was like a teenager. Yeah. And then just in the last few years, it's really dropped. I've been taking medication for low mids. <laughs> you could get, they have stuff for low mids? You haven't seen the pharmaceutical commercials? No, I usually use the Devo, <laughs> the new version of TiVo, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Where you wear a funny red hat when you're. <laughs> tivo things. See, I drink TiVo, which is a new type of iced tea, and their slogan ah. is sip it, sip it good. <laughs> One time I was, to bring it back to when fishing with my dad, I was on a boating <laughs> trip with my dad, and we, we were, it was fishing, and we wanted to get, the, it was getting hot, we we're going to take a dip in the lake while we're fishing. And my dad once went, <laughs> he got on the edge of the boat, and he went, Rusty, he calls me Rusty. He's like, I'm oh. going to take the nasty plunge. Oh, he fell yeah. backwards into the water. <laughs> was like, that was Dad. such a thing. <laughs> I know, but a 40-year-old man who's like watching commercials and emulating. <laughs> I was a little surprised. But weren't you like, your heart was probably like filled, right? <laughs> I just didn't know it was... I mean, my just dad was capable dad, of um, downloading new parts of the culture. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it should have been like he'd be like, oh. uh, "Paul, I want to take the uh, oval team plunge." <laughs> the nesty plunge was such a thing, and, and just for anybody that doesn't know, there was nesty commercials, which was instant iced tea, and they would say, "Take the nesty plunge," and it was people basically you'd plug your nose and fall backwards into a pool or a lake, and that was the, the nesty plunge. 
And then my my two best friends when I was little had a swimming pool, Kelly and Christy Grenager. And Kelly and I would do the nesty plunge. Well, we all would. But that developed into us doing this thing, which I've since realized is like my whole inspiration for my humor of absurdity. We called it Wacky Wokos, where you would just jump into the pool and name what you're going to do like pencil and you would become a pencil or it got so stupid, like, you know, like, um, like dead bird and you just yeah. fall in. We did that too. Wacky Wokos? Well, we didn't call it, but did, did, did the person, did the people in the pool have to call it out or is the person I think who you went does both. It? Yeah, we did yeah. both. Yeah. I mean, dealers trust it. just depend on what kind of, what you were in the mood for that day. Yeah. But you Why was it called Wacky Wokos? No idea. No idea. It but. was so much fun. We would like lose our shit laughing at, and it was, I remember as a kid it would be really fun. There was like if somebody wasn't normally goofy, you'd get to see them be goofy yeah. doing it. If a dad, yeah, like or like a, a kid in the neighborhood who's just a little bit more inhibited, it yeah. would be like you're doing the grocery cart into the thing, and be like, "Beep beep, oh, <laughs> like, yeah, I know." Trina's weird too. <laughs> <laughs> Trina's weird too. My dad, when especially when my parents were married and I was young, he was a pretty serious dad. But there'd be these times where he would do the thing where he'd like slam the brakes on the car and keep doing it. And we'd jerk for it and we would just die laughing. And then once he saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure, he that movie floored him. And he would do the Pee-wee laugh all the time. Oh my god. And it was less that it was funny. We would laugh, but it just meant dad's happy. Dad's in a good mood. Yeah. And that's everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm doing the peewee voices. My dad's vehicular joke was if we were out like in the country and we're driving along and there's a train track in front of us and a train is coming, he would go, I think we can make it. And he'd gun it and he'd start going so fast to try to beat the train. My mom would be flipping out, yeah, slapping him going, Bob, don't, 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 don't. We're like, don't, dad, don't. He's not going to do yeah. it. Then he would just slow down and not do it. <laughs> the other thing my dad would do, and this is off mic, just for you. <laughs> All the time. Sorry. Okay. We're back to it. Um, yeah. There's a great line. The, um, we're going to bring the world of normals to their knees. Oh I can't believe God. that hasn't been like a uh, screen grab. I know. Like that's the real gift from this movie for especially people that are like. It'd just be such a really funny, French ironic culture. thing to like if Hot Topic was like, we're re- we're coming out with some new Beetlejuice shirts. And then you <laughs> but we bring the world of normals to their knees. Yeah. <laughs> God, so we're at, we're basically at the final showdown here. Yeah. Huh? Uh, he says he's going to drain Cameron's brain dry. He goes, wow. we're going to do this the scanner way. Now, this is after the reveal that they're brothers mm-hmm. and their dad was giving them chemicals to figure out what scanning could do. I know. And that Dr. Ruth is his dad is a real kind of, you just, I know it's not quite the same thing, but a little bit like, hey, Empire just pulled this off, buddy. You really, I this that, is what you're going for right now? Yeah. I did think it was a little, um, well, and then. On the other side, Poltergeist is like a year after this, and I thought the face kind of chunky pulling off thing during the showdown seemed a little True. too close to home. Yeah, interesting. Um, and this seems to be also maybe inspired a little bit by the 
children of the melanin. Oh. Oh, space monkey mafia. Yeah, we didn't start the fire. Was the first time I heard about me too. Yeah, and it was to help mothers with morning sickness. I'm not sure what it was for, other than I know it backfired horribly. Yeah, but that's so that song actually worked and taught you something. Yeah, me too. I'm trying to think the other things that I first started. We didn't start. Well, Sugar Ray, Pam, New John, Brando, and the King and I. Yep, Catcher in the Rye. Uh, what's your favorite run of lyrics in the? I think I have mine. Is it not Rock and Roller Cola Wars? I can't take it anymore. Ooh, that or JFK good. blown away. What else do I have to say? It's the same part. Yeah, it's just chubby check a cycle. Belgians on the Congo. Yeah, Brando the King and I and the Catcher in the Rye. Chubby check a cycle. Edsel is a no-go. You to Seminary, Paola and Kennedy. Kennedy. Chubby check a psycho. Belgians on the Congo. Wait, I keep repeating it. It's on a loop. I uh, think it's on a loop for Billy Joel, too. Yeah, it sure is. I saw him once do a 45-minute version of that song where he just kept saying Belgians in the Congo. <laughs> <laughs> Belgians in the waffle. I have three times in my life gone gonna do a spoof of we didn't start the fire and you get two lines into it you're like this is tough yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not gonna take the time to do this that's my karaoke go-to Ooh, that's good i bet people love to join in on certain phrases and stuff too i don't know that i've ever fully nailed it <laughs> i am a karaoke rules are anybody can sing at any point i don't like the Single spotlight on the singer no. and everybody God, sits. No. No. I mean, that's fine too, but it's just like, no, I like it concert. when it's like anybody can sing yeah. any line oh, at yeah. any point. Yeah. Go to a concert if you want that. Yeah. Assholes. Yeah. Anybody taking karaoke too seriously that any, there were people that would get up at karaoke. That's like, this is their art and their performance. Then you just want to go, well, join a band. You don't come to karaoke for talent. You come for fun. Yeah. Not saying you can't be a good karaoke performer, but they're just really... I I once, I had a really unfun karaoke night once where I was with a group of people who are not regular friends, never hung out with them again, but they were a part of a system where they were uh, performing with each other. Mm-hmm regularly uh-huh. and so karaoke night was an, another time to yeah. see who's better yeah that's what it is it's oh, a dick it's measuring a contest. drag yeah. it was such a it's the only time i didn't have fun at a karaoke night yeah because it was so clear people weren't even looking at the people when they were singing no they were all looking down at their books oh, it's like yeah. at least look up occasionally yeah What's, what are we doing here yeah. If a if a karaoke falls in the forest and no one's exactly. there to Yeah. And that holds up. That holds up to scrutiny. <laughs> uh when I love the part, like I said, when the air bladder goes across his face. Oh, it's so Dick good. Smith. Cause that oh, that first one threw me because it's not like you can just see a flat prosthetic on his it really does come out of nowhere I mean it's good editing too because they cut to it right before it inflates and then like they naturally burst at times so it just spurts streams yeah it's so cool oh what was happening I noticed sometimes it would have like the technician who the guy the 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 the, uh, mole was like kill the system 
Yeah. I don't care. And the technician's like, I don't know if I can do that. So he has like a little boil. Like, I, are those things that are supposed to eventually start I, happening? I, did, I thought that and didn't even write a note because I eventually figured out, no, that's just the actor. But I thought, But oh, it's identical. It's so crazy to Michael Ironside's ones that he gets. Yeah, I think he just has like a, an acne scar. Oh, or poor something. guy. <laughs> Everybody well, came up to him going like, why didn't you? On the other hand, maybe that's how he got the role. <laughs> so silver lining. It's like, I like your look. <laughs> um, and then, man, when his... This showdown's pretty rad. It really is. His hands blow up and he's got those flaming hands. Yeah, it just gets confusing though. Because I can't tell is... At that point, I'm like, is Michael Ironside's making him light on fire? Or is this a power of Cameron's that he's starting to like develop? Because they come out of his palms almost like he's conjuring it. Yeah, those are, I had the same confusion. This is a, a, a fault with the scene and also with the little twist at the end. Mm-hmm. It's just... Not a. It gives who you just enough. Who and who's yeah. defeating who? Yeah. And it's just not so skillfully done that you're certain, but it wants you to be certain. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Cameron has taken over the body of Daryl, and we know this because he now has fake blue contact lenses. <laughs> yeah, but I could have easily seen that as. Daryl overtook him and took his blue eyes and now has his voice because he's fully absorbed. And it, But I don't feel like Cronenberg's trying to give you that ambiguous ending of who is it. I feel like it was just kind of... He wants you to think it is Cameron is now one. He's yeah, one. Because the, yes, because he says in his voice to her, right, right, right. And basically the only way he could survive after lighting on fire was to take over his body. But it's just something we're learning about that's possible. Yeah. So it's just a lot in a moment and it feels underdeveloped once again. Yeah, it's also a repeat and a less good one of the end of the brood mm-hmm. when her head is down and he comes over and you're like nervous about, is it going to be a brood or her? And then yeah. the face comes up and it's her. They do kind of a same move where his head is down and a jacket's over him and he brings it up. And it's less of a... Yeah. You're not wondering as much who is who or what is going to be what. Um, yeah, this really is a step back from the brood, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of what is better than the brood. What, what, what it does, if there's anything I thought... The effects, maybe? Um... Yeah. Yeah. Some of the... Oh, yeah, the effects. I think that's right. Yeah. But just, like, character and both... Just the brood has such a strong emotional pull of, like, a father and a daughter in this kind of marriage that's falling apart and... And And I never thought I'd say it, but a better leading man. Yes. (laughs) Yes. So that guy just ended up... He just became an artist. I didn't know that. Apparently, yeah. I think he did some other acting. Um, I like it when at the very end, um, they come in and they find that weird ashy body on the floor. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. Creepy. Um, so is is it just implied then that... Right. Sorry. Jennifer O'Neill will just now kind of hang out with this warped looking Michael Ironsides who's actually Cameron. Ooh, Yeah. Are they the only two scanners left now? And then that baby. Oh, that's right. Baby scanner. So in the next... Baby scanners should have been the same. Like baby geniuses, but yeah. it's baby scanners. Oh. Or Muppet babies. Muppet babies. And they're cute. Yeah. 
Yeah, but they still blow up each other's heads. And Cameron's big legs come in like Nanny. Yes, and like the baby can't have a cookie, so he blows up his mom's legs. <laughs> you only see her legs. Yeah. But I'm glad uh, you chose it. And can we just talk about the mathematical craziness that the first five movies were mine, the first five, next five movies were yours, and they were bookended by Cronenberg's? We did the brood first and the oh, yeah. scanners last. So let's recap. Seeing as how we're at the end of this movie, I yeah. think, right? Yeah. Okay. Just and and I suggest that when we do the cozy bracket tournament, mm-hmm. we'll do a quick section up from where we rank these ten. We'll good do idea. our rankings on these yep. tens. And that's separate. That's, that's just good. for like yep. like how we did with the other forty nine <laughs> or thirty nine. But so they had the people under the stairs. That was the first randomly chosen one. Your mm-hmm. pick. Then we had Terror Train, your pick, but only I would have picked that if you hadn't. And then Body Double, your pick. Gremlins. And your final oh, and that was that was all your prick your picks and your pricks. (laughs) The Brood, which was my first pick. Sleepaway Camp. Motel Hell. Uh Noisk. And American Werewolf in London. And then this. Did I skip something? I, I think you just reversed. Oh, no. Motel Hell was before American War. Yeah. Silly. And then Scanners. God, that was such a nice little rewalk down memory lane oh, right there. man. And this end of this season fe- feels more than ever like I have to go home from camp or a play is over or a, a year of school mm. that I liked is out. Even though... We're going to see each other in the off season, and then the off season know, is only a month. Aw- but I think it was because the one offs were fun. They were great. Yeah. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, season. to say goodbye to a friend and also a one off is is tough. Yeah. Well, do you want to do best kills, and then we can sure rank, and we can also again kind of tease next season. Well, I don't want to state the obvious, but the best kill is the head explosion, right? could be the best kill in of all the movies. It may be. Oh, you know what it made me think of? Another David Cronenberg, not directed movie, but starring movie that we watched that had a a great head-blowing-up-smashing kill that it couldn't top for the rest of the movie, Jason X. That's right. That's crazy (laughs) that he's in that. But like, remember the ice, the frozen... Head smash yeah. in Jason X is like yeah. a frozen version of uh, a That's scanners. Right. And Neck Giblets is in that movie too. Neck Giblets is in Jason X? Yeah. So we've seen three Giblets movies now? We've done the Giblets three. He's his own franchise. Franchise. <laughs> he is. A Giblets three, I like to imagine, is like the Alien 3 logo, where it's Giblets <laughs> and then a little third to the power of three. All right, now it's time to rank this baby. Okay. Give it a, a one to 13. I haven't even thought about this. Okay. Okay. I've got mine. Yeah. I think we're going to go with eight and a half. I'm going to go seven. Okay. Point five. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. I was going to go seven or be... 7.5 and I bumped it up to eight, eight uh, at the end, eight and a half. Did you say eight or eight and a half? I think I said eight and a half. Okay. But... I long to be close to you. That's why I gave it a five. <laughs> We're like the Carpenter's kids. Yeah. So either way you slice it, it's a middling film for the season, this season for us. And I think that's about right. Yeah. But as far as middling goes, pretty good. Yeah, that's true. What was our least favorite people under the stairs? 
It might have been. Um, Mo- to think- I think Motel Hell gave it a run for its money. Too. Yeah. It's nice because we each brought goodies and stinkers. Yeah. And if we ever have to, you know, do a non kind of franchise bringing movies, I think the idea of I want to go gorely a little bit. I want to pick ones that I haven't seen at all. Oh, right. I think that's a good way to open myself up to new things. Well, Motel Hell and People Under the Stairs are tied because we each gave Motel Hell 6.5, but I gave People Under the Stairs 5.5. You gave it 7.5, so that's an average of 6.5. Wow. (laughs) We're going to be doing a lot of averaging with, uh, well, not necessarily averaging, but just this kind of thought with the with the cozy. Oh, that's uh, gonna be. That's also, we did great. talk about it last time when we did our rankings, and everybody came up with all these awesome crunching the numbers to figure out like how we liked the thirty nine and which ones were the most popular of the franchises. We did talk about it at the time, but like, what was so great about it is like, movie nerds so rarely get the joy that jocks get. I with know crunching statistics. Yeah, and I could just tell. Are myself included movie nerds were so happy of like we get to crunch numbers. I know finally some math, which is funny because I'm horrible at math. And actually, Same. this is a good opportunity to shout out a lot of the trustees who've been helping helping us, specifically Umar Ditta, who has been very active with this show and other shows that I've been involved in. Just seems like the nicest guy, and great, he was the one great. that did that whole. Like there's six pages of my rankings, your rankings, our statistical rankings, our abstract rankings. I don't even understand the difference of them. I know one of them is the definitive average of our two, which is after we now add these 10 movies into those 39 films, what we will, he's going to help seed the first round of the cozy bracket, which then you and I will use to create that tournament. So a big shout out to him. Thank you. I also want to shout out my beloved brother and, uh, my sister-in-law, Brennan and Jess, because I went to like the first big family get together outside since the pandemic started. And for a, a belated birthday present, they're listeners to the show and they bought me fridge magnets of the four franchises we covered so far. So there's like oh. Halloween, Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street and Aliens. That's so thoughtful. Yeah, I love those guys. That's really cool. They'd be good to join us on the show sometime. Yeah. They're really cool people. Um, All for So it. shout out to you, my brother and my sister, and to Umar Ditta, my brother from, my sister from another blister, <laughs> getting Cronenbergy. So, yeah, well, we'll, if you're a trustee, we'll see you soon with this cozy tournament. Yeah. That'll probably be in a, couple weeks i think not right it won't be next week right okay yeah. yep yeah and then and then there'll also be a mailbag yeah there'll be the a, and a commentary second, in there yeah and then we'll probably drop something oh yeah the amityville horror commentary yeah, will be there that's right yep. and then we'll be back on the 16th for patreon for the first and did we even mention that the reason we're doing this jaws thing is cuz it's summer uh, I, I, I think I that? said something like it'll be a scary summer type of sharks. Yeah. Oh, that's even better. It's a, couldn't have put it better. So that'll be back the 16th and then the next week for free peoples. And then that'll run for seven weeks. We'll yeah, take so another break and that be brings back us again. to the end of summertime. So that's like a good kind yeah. of little run. The, the, um, the, either the last week of June, first week of July would have been the time when I was a kid where I was like, summer's over. 
Oh, yeah. I've wasted it. Yeah. It's only, I got to go back to school in two months. I, I was know. always such a little worry work. <laughs> Me too. Summer's over. It's June 25th already. I always enjoy the day before the day off more than the day off because the next day is the day back on. Always. Yeah. 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 Um, Memorial Day is the Thursday night to the weekend that is summer. And Labor Day is the Sunday afternoon. You're like, oh, yeah. Weekend's over. Summer's over. Yeah. Not to say autumn is a Monday, but... No. If anything, for us, it's it's a kind of summer. <laughs> hey, on this podcast, autumn is summer. Think about it. <laughs> well, Gorley, yeah. this was such a... God, we've done now five different seasons, five runs. Five runs, 49 films, not including the commentaries. That's right. And, then, and the commentaries won't be in the cozy bracket. We're only doing okay. it officially. Good, good, good. Yeah, that's good. Films. And then um, when we come back, it'll be our sixth. Now, what what are some... We love our sixes. Halloween six. Oh, yeah. Curse of Michael Myers. We get to have our own little Curse of Michael Myers season. Now, we won't cover it. I'm just saying... Yeah. Jason get, Lives. Mm, uh, uh, Freddy's Dead. Oh. Nobody's favorite. <laughs> yeah. Video game Freddy, as we call it. What's Alien Nintendo six? Freddy. Uh, that is Alien vs. Predator 2. Requiem? Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, hey. Hellraiser 6, man. That hey. thing is for the ages. <laughs> hey, uh, most, uh, yeah, most six-year-olds I know are Hellraisers. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the perfect spirited one to take us out. Well, thank you so much, Matt. Yeah, and I will see you very soon. See you very soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For more Gorley and Rust content, head over to patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust to get episodes ad-free and a whole week early, plus monthly mailbag episodes and feature-length watch-along film commentaries of your favorite horror classics. That's patreon.com slash with Gorley and Rust. Email us at withgorleyandrust at gmail.com and your questions might be featured on a future mailbag episode. With Gorley and Rust theme song by me, Matt Gorley, and performed by Townland. You can find us on Instagram as Townland Band, as well as Paul's fantastic band at Don't Stop or We'll Die. And why not rate and review with Gorley and Rust on Apple Podcasts? It'll help us grow the show and keep us trucking through the Jasons and the Michaels, the Leatherfaces and the Chuckies, the Aliens and the Candymans. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.